welcome to the 324th episode of the Random Podcast from Hacked. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Logan. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Uh, last week, I, I finally did an off my mind. Actually, it was talked about the recent Batman, Catwoman, Gotham War. Yeah, I had, had, had a bit to say about that. And other times I talk about comic books. I may go back to X-Men, The Hidden Years, John Byrne comics uh who knows <laughs> but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three that's ko-fi.com slash gman from heck this week the movie feature will be the marvels so you can hear about that uh spoiler i i really enjoyed it i, I was gonna i gotta say that right away we also have the unfortunate season finale of loki and i say unfortunate because i don't want the show to end and that ending hmm, definitely got some things to say about that uh, i did surprisingly manage to watch the rest of bodies so i'm just going to go super brief with that and that's something that i don't want to get into spoilers i there's so much to talk about with that and uh you, it, when i talked about it last week it was you know it was super brief and it, it does pick up and things things get kind of crazy and, and it was it was pretty cool so i look forward to reading the comic and then there's a rick and morty oh invincible is is back we're gonna be a week behind in that so i'll talk about just the first episode and then one one more episode of uh doom patrol and <laughs> i got some things to say about, about that particular episode but let's get into the news oh actually before i get into the news I, i'm guessing um, kind of talk about it now. So I'm, I'm like so extremely behind this week. And part of it is because Monday I, um, went to see Henry Rollins. And so hopefully you know who Henry Rollins is, um, former singer of Black Flag Rollins band. And, uh, you know, he, he does his spoken word tour thing i mean i don't know really how you describe it because you know for a while he's doing like spoken poetry i think it was and then he basically he he just he just talks he, he tells stories talks about his life and, and and stuff and it's it's just it's so fascinating I've, I've always been curious about this since he stopped doing it and you know i never really looked into it or paid attention but it's like you know why did he stop performing you know or and by performing why did he stop singing i guess i should say because, you know, I was, I was a huge fan, you know, Black Flag back in the day, you know, my youth. And um, so he played, you know, at a local venue, small little place. And uh, I, I was so excited to, to see him. And it, it was great. So in this, this little, little bit. Oh, and I also went with, with Joey, which uh, if you're from from Tested and sort of comic buying for Whiskey Media. So my, my uh, former cameraman extraordinaire who did so many amazing uh, three minute expert videos he did like all the editing and filming and and that so we we both went to see it which was 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 great because you know I, I got to catch up with him briefly at san diego and we went to see henry rollins and uh it was it was great so with with this this venue it's a like i said it was a small little place 
and you know start at eight o'clock eight o'clock he comes out on stage no one introduces him he just like comes up there and basically you know it was a monday night and he's like i know you guys are probably busy tomorrow you know i'm just gonna i'm not gonna waste your time he just jumps right into it and he he has i don't know how i would describe it but you know he has got this like enthusiasm this energy and everything and he he kind of talks a little fast and he's just like bam 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 just like just like going and you know no teleprompter no script nothing like that he's just talking for two and a half, two hours and like 10 minutes just non-stop and and you know he's been doing this tour for like a couple years so i'm sure all, the heart of what he's saying a lot of it is similar so he's probably got it down but you know there's probably some recent stuff and you know he talked about walking around like the the, the town where the, the theater was in and you know he's talking about california and how he used to live in southern california so i'm sure you know there's little differences here and there but um for the most part, I'm sure, you know, he's saying the same stuff. And, um, it, it was, it was just, it was great. I mean, he's such an interesting guy and he, he's a, he's a good guy. You know, he, a lot of what he, you know, he's talks about, even though he has certain opinion about some things, which some people may not agree with, you know, certain groups may not agree with it, but he, it seems like he has like a really good perspective, you know, cause he's, he's kind of like, you know, let's, I forget exactly how he said it, but you know, he's kind of like against cancel culture, more like a let's, try to something culture like basically try to i forget what he what he said but he just has some like really good ideas and and it was just so fascinating to listen to him so because of this my point bring this just also because it's entertaining and and i just i want to talk about you know my excitement over it was it was a great time but because this was monday that kind of threw a little wrench into my um my viewing and reading time because you know i basically after work you know i had to get home right away and, and grab something to eat and you know head out there yeah that that put me off a little bit but we'll we'll do the best we can that thing is there, there might be a couple comics i didn't read but i think i read the majority of them All right as far as the news so writer strike is apparently over things are resolved which is great so when was it? It was probably kind of like almost like Wednesday, Thursday, I think when it was finally resolved. So with the Marvels, you know, there's a little bit of promotion that then or the actors that were, you know, Brie Larson and Iman Villani were able, you know, they were do some promotion for the movies. And I, I do think that that makes a difference. You know, I, I, I think it's it's. I think it's a big thing because a lot of people follow these people on, you know, these actors on social media. And cause like a bunch of my students, they weren't aware that the Marvels was coming out, even though you know, every time I go to a movie, you see a trailer. So I, I feel like there is something to be said about people seeing it social media or, you know, with the talk shows, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a huge portion that watches all the late night shows and, and find out like, Oh, this movie's coming out and so forth. So I, I think there's something to be said there because while if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably somehow in tuned to being online. So, you know, you, you you probably check out like news sites and you may be aware of what's coming out and you see trailers or, you know, and, and stuff like that. But I know there's a lot of people who have no idea about, about these different things. And I, I do think that the actors promoting it plays a big part. I'm not quite sure what the box office will be, uh, but of course, um, a lot of people are, are, are coming down and it's, you know, saying like, Oh, it's going to be such a bad, so it's so low. It's the lowest grossing one, blah, blah, blah. This, you know, I, I saw one article is like, it, it has lower ticket sales than 
two of DC's worst whatever, or the last two bombs, or I don't know. We'll talk about that in a bit, the movie. With the strike being over, now they can continue production on, on different, you know, whatever things. The, the problem is a lot of things are going to be delayed. Deadpool 3 was supposed to come out May 3rd. Was that 2024? I don't remember. Yeah, so now it looks like July 26, 2024. Captain America, Brave New World, that's what it is, right? Was supposed to be July 26, 2024, but now it's it's shifting to February 14th, 2025. Got more to say about that in just a bit. Blade is going from February 2025 to November 7th, 2025. And Thunderbolts is going from December 20th, 2024 to July 25th, 2025. So that's probably better. I don't know how Thunderbolts would do Christmas time. I don't know if Christmas time is is, is a good... I mean, I guess there's, there's usually something. I don't know if that would be big enough. Well, who knows? I could be wrong. But with uh, Captain America, there's apparently rumor... And uh, it's supposedly going to have some extensive reshoots. Yeah, but so I, I don't know. I don't know what, what the, if, if this is what are there is this factual or not? You know, the, the, the word is that there's like three major sequences are, are being cut out, and the shooting's supposed to be from January to May. Now, if that is true, the January to May, you know, that, that sounds like that's a long time to do reshoots, but. What we heard from James Wan over Aquaman, you know, he talked about that he's like, we we only filmed eight days. It just seemed like it was a long time because trying to get everyone back, you know, trying to work with everyone's schedule. So this January to May, you know, the everyone involved who may need to do certain scenes, they may have other commitments. And, you know, they probably can't all get, get together. So that might slow things down. Or maybe there's some truth to this you know maybe they are doing some major i i don't know but people should be aware that pretty much any major movie is going to have reshoots you know it, it goes but they're, they're trying to say test audience didn't like it and this and that and i i don't know we'll, we'll probably never really know <laughs> the one division director mentioned uh so there's a, apparently this big rumor that Mephisto was going to be in WandaVision. A lot of people are thinking that, that you know, Mephisto was involved with with Wanda's troubles and all that. But uh, the director's like, uh, Mephisto was never part of the show. And you know, he's like, that's a real head scratcher. You know, not really sure where that came from. So it was, it was kind of um, interesting about that. Kevin Feige, I'll just stick with, try to do all the Marvel news while I think of it. Um, well, not really Marvel news, but Kevin Feige's Star Wars is not happening. So he was somewhere. He was talking about, about different things or answering questions. So, of course, like every little topic is like a separate news article that you can find all over the place. So it's just it's not in the works. I don't know if that means it's never going to happen or if it's just a scheduling thing. And I don't even know how he could be involved with the, trying to do anything Star Wars because, you know, he's doing other stuff. And I thought I saw that he was writing a screenplay. Is does he is he doing any writing for like the Avengers stuff? But I don't know. But um, he was also asked about some of the Marvel stuff, like Avenger stuff. And, you know, there's rumors that from this retreat that they had that they were going to bring back the original Avengers. Like Robert Downey Jr. and Scarlett Johansson would be returning even though they died. But somehow they're all going to come back. And 
Kevin Feige's like, Fallen Avengers returning? He's like, is that new? And I have literally not even seen that. Is that a new rumor? And he's like, we did not discuss that <laughs> at, at the retreat. And uh, so that that's the interesting thing where that Variety article, you know, there's so much stuff that was mentioned in there. And he's just like, uh, what? I, I really feel like that that says a lot that who again who is speaking out who's saying all this stuff where is this information coming from and uh, i don't know um some stuff with uh nia da costa a lot of people are, are commenting on the marvels you know they, they talked about her what one with her with her not being there for the end production or you know with, with the movie you know she's directing a movie but then they're like yeah she took off she wasn't even there at the end and she addressed that that she had other commitments you know she's working this other movie and you know she's like marvel knew about it but there's like all these different delays for various reasons so they were fully aware that you know she had these other commitments with other people and you know schedules and stuff like that but she was still involved with the end you know whatever of, of the marvel so you know people just talking crap and as far as the the runtime you know everyone's going on about how the Marvels was under two hours is the shortest movie and this and that. And she's like, I, that's what I wanted. I wanted it to be under two hours. And, and she was kind of looking at it You know, she's, she was thinking about like, when you go into theater, how long are you actually sitting there? I'll comment about the, the, the runtime. I mean, hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll remember about that, but I, I do have some thoughts about that. Uh, also Marvels. What if season two is apparently coming uh, holiday 2023? We don't have an exact date, but it's supposed to be before January 1st. So that, that, that'll be good. I am looking forward to that. There was a trailer for Ghostbusters uh, Frozen Empire. It looks good, I guess. Um, I'm, not, I'm not super duper excited for it. It looks fine. And uh, basically, you know, it's supposed to be in the middle of summer, you know, hot in New York. And then all of a sudden, things start icing over. And it's interesting because, you know, there's like huge, like, ice spikes that just, like, start popping out of the ground. And um, But you see also at the beach, like, you know, just huge <laughs> storm front or something comes, you know, towards the beach and, and everything like that. You know, my only problem with this, and, and you know, I, I love um, Paul Rudd, but his character just seems like he could get a little annoying. He's like super excited about like all this ghost stuff and everything like that. Cause like at the end you see this like dark menacing figure coming at them and he's like, Whoa, he's like all excited about this. It's like, I don't think, I don't know. I don't, it doesn't seem realistic. It's like you're facing some evil demon or something like that. And you're going to be excited over it. It's like, I, you know, you should probably be wondering, it's like, are you going to survive this? So I don't know. Uh, there was also, I didn't watch this, but there was like a, a little video from like some behind the scenes stuff from Umbrella Academy season four. I, I, without having watched it, I'm assuming it's like, oh, they probably did this because with the strike over, so maybe they can put out some footage, have you know people talking, you know, the actors talking about it. I don't know, but um, I'm looking forward to that. It's, it's, it's weird. It's unfortunate that there's only one more season because I think the last season it was, was interesting. Uh, yeah. So we'll see what they do here. Uh, oh, another delay, Venom 3. <laughs> I think I think it was last week we were just saying, like, maybe it's going to be delayed. Maybe it's going to be delayed. And uh looks like November 8th, 2024. What is coming out next next week? Or next week? Next year. So we have Deadpool coming out. Um, Venom's not really Marvel, but kind of Marvel. Yeah, so I don't know if there's anything else. And my concern now, 
my selfish concern is with the podcast. Are we going to have, is, is there going to be a, a drought? You know, as, as things are getting delayed, are there going to be other things that will fill in the gap? Because this I, last week, I mean, we had the, the Marsh King's daughter, which I, I'm glad I saw that. And that's another thing. I, I wish there was some promotion over that. And I, I feel like there's going to be some weeks where there may not be a big movie. So I don't know what I'll be doing. Um, a little bit of comic news. Uh, there was a teaser image for Ultimate Spider-Man. We see the Green Goblin. And it looks just like the movie Green Goblin. With an armored Green Goblin. And I, I don't like that design. So we'll see. Because I'm, I'm actually, you know, when we found out that Ultimate Spider-Man is going to be like older, married Peter Parker. I was like, okay, that sounds interesting. You know, it's going to be something a little different. But then you bring that Green Goblin. I don't know. Um, there's also, <laughs> I kind of joke about this. Uh, I'm not sure who asked for this, but Night Thrasher is coming back. Uh, Night Thrasher is always an interesting character. Sometimes he, he got a little little too much. You know, he, he was like too angry or too, you know, like trying to prove things to everyone, and which is unfortunate. I mean, I I love New Warriors back in the day. You know, Night Thrasher, Nova, Namorita, um, Speedball. Uh, you know, Derek Robertson's art. Uh, so we'll have to see. You know, what has Night Thrasher been up to all this time? That's always an interesting thing when these these characters, when you know they're they're they don't have a book, they're not appearing in anything. It's like, what are they doing all all this time? You know, is has Night Thrasher been fighting crime? Has he just been working at a Starbucks? You know, what has he been doing all this time? Uh, so hopefully we'll, we'll find out and it'll make sense because, you know, when you see all these big events happen and then these characters aren't anywhere around. So it's like, what have you been doing? And the last bit of news, <laughs> Zack Snyder, I guess he confirmed that Rebel Moon is like in the same universe as Army of the Dead, which is like, what? Because I guess there's something with, I don't know if it was the animated show or something about someone going to another dimension and there's some alien or some species or something. I don't even know. But that's just, I, I don't know what's going on. So we have that to look forward to. Isn't that like uh, next month? Okay, but uh, what we also have to look forward to is the rest of the show because that is going to be news. Let's talk about comics. With comics at Image, like I said, um, I didn't get to read everything. There's a Creep Show Volume Two, Number Three came out. I'm not sure. Uh, let me find my copy. Uh, so it looks like this issue has a story by Zoe Thorogood, who's a writer and artist. There's another one, uh, Joe Ferrelli and Goran Suzuka. Okay, so. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure about that. Dark Ride, number nine, came out. Also, Enfield Gang, Massacre, number four. It's a really good comic. If, if, you, if you like westerns, it's it's really interesting. I never thought I'd be into, like, or I'd, I'd never thought I'd be reading a, a western comic again, after, you know, besides Jonah Hex. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm digging that. Um, I did read Midlife, or How to Hero at 50, number two. So this is... Uh, the comic by Brian Buccellato. Art is by Stefano 
Simeon, Simon. I don't, I don't know how you say. It. So this is a, I, it, it's interesting because um, so we, you know, we have this this dude. He was a basically he's a firefighter, and uh, I guess long story short is he he kind of discovers or sort of he he gets powers, and I'm not really sure. I don't know if it's been said, but it, it I don't believe there are like other superheroes in this world. So he's got this ability, but then we're seeing, I mean, there's a hints of, of other stuff. And so, you know, he was a, this firefighter, you know, his dad was a firefighter too. And, you know, so then he's starting to wonder, it's like, was, was there anything with, with dad? Cause, uh, you know, was there, was there, cause his dad's dead. So, you know, he doesn't know, did he get his powers from his dad? Is, is there stuff that, you know, he didn't, didn't know about him? Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting. And, um, and I just, read this book it's you know brian bucciolato is a great guy he's a great writer i think you'll dig it you know it 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 has some like a feeling of like realism to it you know just like the, the conversations between you know the, the characters and it just it just it feels natural and real and then introducing the idea of superpowers and then the, the fact that this dude is like you know 50 and he's getting powers so i, I think it's definitely something different because you know, it's so many times books are just variations of the same thing. So you should check out that. Grab the, you know, find the first issue and second issue. Check that out. There was also, see what else do we have? Uh, there's Petrolhead number one. I didn't, I, I grabbed that. Uh, I haven't had a chance to read that. So I'll have to see about that. Phantom Road number six. I didn't get to fully read this because I was reading this like actually like right before uh, I started recording. Um, this is a the Jeff Lemire Gabriel um, Walter Hernandez or Hernandez Walter, and uh, I do really, I have no idea what's going on here. You know, so we kind of have two storylines going on. We have this truck driver and this this woman, and they're like in some sort of like alternate dimension, and there's these like weird alien people, like featureless creatures. They're just kind of standing around. There's, I mean, they do move around, but they're really freaky. And it's like they're trying to figure out what's going on. You know, because the the woman she was in, a, in an accident, and so the truck driver like picked her up. And there is like this thing that they have now in the back of the truck that these other, not doing a horrible job explaining this, these other entities are like drawn to it. And then there's this. Uh, FBI, I think she's FBI, right? Where she's kind of investigating some things and she's starting to figure out, she's starting to kind of question like her past, like her dad. Because, you know, her dad was supposedly an insurance salesman, but now she's been led to believe perhaps there's more to it. You know, was he like a federal agent or something like that? Then, But they just never knew that. Like, could that be possible? So it's it's very interesting horrible sell on my part so <laughs> hopefully it's not turning anyone off from it um and then uh transformers number two came out uh, this is it's it's interesting because you know i i like transformers i don't you know i'm not like the biggest transformers fan i don't love transform i don't have like a, a horse in a race or whatever they say uh with the the previous you know idw i'm sure i'm sure he did a great job with transformers i always wanted to read them but there was just so many different series and i've read a couple here and there but it's like i never knew with the different volumes i'm like okay 
which ones are, are, are you know do we have different different quote-unquote generations different worlds which one is this connected to this can i read this without having read any other things so i never really got into the idw comics so here because it started new it's a you know it, it basically starts from the beginning and as i mentioned with the first issue you know so there, there's some similarities with you know laying out you know transformers arriving on earth you know they, they crash you know they're fighting the decepticons and you know we have spike here and we have some other characters and uh so it's it's up to an interesting start because you know they're still trying to get a sense of what earth is and <laughs> there's a horrific part what uh optimus prime does where he's not aware of like the softness of the world and creatures and animals and so there, he kind of has a little accident and he feels bad about it and it's just like oh man so but then it's also interesting where you know he doesn't know what one the, I, if, if anything the, the one minor thing problem i have with it is when spike is talking to him like he doesn't know what mom and dad are or, or something like that which you know makes makes sense he understood that concept of family but then the the thing that, that gets me is i don't remember i don't know if it was starscream or someone else but the way they're just kind of insulting humans didn't seem like natural language i, I forget what what he they're called but it, it's it's off to a good start and um I believe there's a G.I. Joe connection reference here. And by believe, there, there was. <laughs> so, But I, I don't want to spoil things. So, so um, that's that's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Because, you know, we're supposed to have this, like, shared universe thing. You know, it's through Skybound, what they're doing. So we'll, we'll see about that. At Marvel, we had... Oh, my goodness. We have uh, Amazing Spider-Man 37... So gang war is coming, okay, but the the problem is this. Oh, I don't even remember what his name is. Rec Rec Rap, Park whatever. What's, what's his name? Rec Rap, yeah. And uh, so when the infernal it wasn't infernal, but whatever the stuff with King Chasm and and Madeline Pryor. So we had this demon version of spider-man who's actually like kind of a hero he manages to stick around even though madeline's trying to get everyone back you know all the demons or anything that that you know back to limbo so she sends this collect this repossessor dude to get everyone and so wreck rap has been kind of trying to dodge him and everything but this repossessor dude it's like he somehow he knows who peter parker is he knows who spider-man is so i'm not sure what that's all about but this wreck rap jeez, oh, i just it's just he's too goofy it's just i i know that's what they're trying to go and i'm sure there's people like like oh he's great you know he's he, <laughs> i don't know i just i i just it's it's not my thing um captain marvel dark tempest so that's the andesenti book um issue five is out uh, Guardians of the Galaxy issue eight. The Guardians died, sorta, but not really. So there's all this stuff with Groot fall, and so I think I think they're kind of reborn through Groot or something like that. And I don't know. I tried reading this issue. 
It just it just wasn't liking it. Gods number two came out. So this is the Jonathan Hickman Valero Shidi book, and um, it, it's so weird because you can see that there's some you know big big ideas being introduced here, big elements, and it's fascinating to see like this other layer of the Marvel universe that people aren't aware of, you know, you have Dr. Strange and, you know, so there, you got the magic layer, you know, that, you know, I'm sure they're aware of things that most people don't know about, but there's this other layer as well. And just knowing that there's like these big ideas and big, you know, potential threats and stuff that, that's going on. So it's, it's, it's just really, I find it fascinating and interesting. Um, but also, it's like, wait, what is really going on? And so I, I can't tell if I'm, like, completely sold on this. It's like, do I completely love this? I, I don't know. Because part of me, <laughs> you know, part of me is like, like, man, I don't know if I want all this. Like, I kind of feel like I want to be left in the dark. You know, I don't want to know about this whole other thing. But it is interesting. And what I... What what as as I think about this, it kind of reminds me of like what we recently had with the Eternals, and that's that's my little hesitation with this, because you know when Eternals we had the comic come back, you know let's bring the Eternals back in the spotlight and all this stuff, and we're introduced to or reintroduced to the characters and their concepts and the worlds and the the hierarchy and all, all this stuff, but I don't even remember how the the what the happened to the last issue. I didn't realize the series was over. So it's like, what does that mean? Because you know, you have all this whole this all this craziness going on with the Eternals, and now there's nothing. You know, maybe sales weren't great, and I, I know they. You know, I'm sure Marvel wanted to get this going when the movie came out, but the movie wasn't well received. There's a I didn't mention it, but there's um with the Kevin Feige stuff. Someone asked him, "Is like, are we going to see Harry Styles as Star Fox anytime soon?" And I, apparently Harry Styles is excited so they're trying to find you know the right place and whatever so we may see him nothing's definite but with that I was like I almost forgot that Harry Styles was Star Fox with uh, God's uh, the jury's still out as far as I'm concerned I'm, I'm interested but I don't know how I feel about it it's like I don't want to be reading this but I'm of course I'm going to be reading it and, and by not wanting to read it I don't want another book to read, but I'm going to read it as long as it's coming out. Um, there was another issue, Marvel Unleashed, which is crazy. It's like this coming. Uh, this is not monthly. This is the the like pet of why do not they call it Pet Avengers? I don't know why they're calling it Marvel Unleashed. It seems like such a horrible title that's not selling anything. But whatever. The Punisher number one, new Punisher. So this is by David Pepos, um, Dave Watcher, Dan Brown. Um. Hmm. I mean, it was a good. I saw someone refer to how do they describe this. Someone said it was like like John Wick meets someone. <laughs> I don't forget who. I don't remember who it was. So we have a new Punisher, and I remember when this was first announced. I'm like, okay, why? For for one, you know, Punisher. Ah, you know, I I don't want to say that they should just retire the idea to Punisher but the unfortunate aspect is how was it like police officers are taking the symbol 
or, or you know people are, are, are you know they're embracing the Punisher logo which you're basically saying that you're supporting a vigilante a murderer murder, he's serial he's a serial killer is what it comes down to you know, he's massacring all these people and yeah you know he's killing bad guys but you know, court of law and all that stuff guilty you know innocent to proven guilty so we so what's the deal with this new guy um he he's not he, let's just say he's not setting out to become the punisher it's not like he's coming out and saying oh i'm the punisher where is frank castle frank castle's kind of got a new mission you know he, he's not gone but we'll see when if he turns up i wonder if he will pop up here at all if he gets wind that they're calling this new dude punisher but this guy it just happens that he has um armor that kind of looks like a skull looks exactly like a skull it's a little he has some he has access to some high-tech weaponry which makes it a little interesting you know it does make that a little different than the frank castle stuff and uh you know i i think that that will be that it's important because if it was just another dude with a bunch of guns and who happens to have like skull armored that that's that's too much i'd be like why are we doing this but with this this dude's um, backstory, and I don't want to go into the detail, you know, I don't want to spoil things, but I think that there is enough, and I'm definitely more intrigued than when I first, I'm just like, this is ridiculous. I don't want another Punisher, another dude calling himself the Punisher, but it would be interesting to see how this goes about and uh, where it's going to go, because, you know, it, it as the, the tagline says, the man is different, the mission remains the same. I don't know if that's the best way to sell it because it just sounds like it's it's just he's doing the same thing that Frank Castle was doing, but that's not not the, necessarily the case. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's definitely one to you know keep your eyes on because uh, I th I think there's potential there. Um, there's a Darth Vader came out. Of course, it's Dark Droids. I did not read that, and um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know what's going on there. Um, there's a new Thanos book. So Thanos Return of the Mad Titan. And when I saw this cover, okay, first of all, I'm asking, I, you know, I talk to myself, <laughs> I'm wondering, it's like, what, what's the deal with, with this Thanos book? Is this like main continuity or is this one of those weird random, is it canon or not? You know, like with the, that other Captain Marvel book, the Anne Nascenti book, is that some random out of continuity just... Here's a Captain Marvel story that would be cool that you should read, or you know, is it connected? Are, are we going to see repercussions from that in other other books? I'm not reading that. Am I going to miss out on something? I don't know. So with this Thanos, I'm I, my main question is like, what the heck is up with Thanos? Is is where has he been? Because it says Return of the Mad Titan. It's like okay, where Return from where? Has has he been somewhere else? Has he been dead? Because he died. How many times has he died and come back? I've, I've lost track of that. Reading this, um, I, I, it, it's, it's interesting. You know, it's, it starts off, we see this, this woman in Fresno, California. You know, we're like never in California in the Marvel Universe. And what does she have to do with Thanos? And then later, some other Marvel characters appear like to talk to her. So I'm not really sure what's going on. And I will admit that I had to kind of, I was like reading it really quickly. So I, I kind of was skimming. 
So I definitely I need to read that again. But I'm like, hmm. Then there's Uncanny Spider-Man issue three. I still, I, this is another one. I'm not sure like what is going on here. So you see on the cover, we have, uh, so Nightcrawler for some reason is calling himself Spider-Man. And I don't understand how this happened. I know I did read the first issue, but he's, it's like he, mutants are, aren't, aren't supposed to be around. You know, the mutants have been banned. So I get that, okay, he's going to call himself Spider-Man because how many, there's so many Spider-Men, right? But it seems like everyone knows that it's Nightcrawler. You know, the fact that his ears are somehow poking, you know, you can see his ears through his mask. He's got the tail. He's got the three fingers and the two toes. So it's like all signs point to this must be Nightcrawler. And if everyone knows it's Nightcrawler, then what's the point? of wearing the Spider-Man costume. But you see in the cover, he's fighting Silver Sable. And uh, I don't know if this is a spoiler. I don't think it was, was it mentioned in the first issue? I don't think it was, but this might be a spoiler. Kurt and Silver Sable have kind of like hooked up. So it's like, what? When, when, how, what's going on? But at the same time, if, if that's the case, why is she like, why are they like at each other's throats on the cover? You have to read to find out. <laughs> but, and there's stuff going on with Mystique. Mystique seems, you know, she keeps talking like, they, they took my baby, they took my baby. So I almost feel like somehow something happened to her where she, I don't know if she's just confused because in the first issue, she was like a homeless dude, you know, she shapeshifted and Nightcrawl is like trying to talk to her and everything like that, but she like doesn't see him or, or like recognize him. So I, I don't, not really sure. Um, there was a, a What If Dark, The Tomb of Dracula. I did not read this. And it's okay. So it's written by Marv Wolfman, which that I find curious. And when I was like, a What If with Dracula, Marvel Dracula? I was like, why? I, I, I need to read that. So I, I, I don't, uh, unfortunately I didn't, so I don't know. Um, X-Force, issue 46. So we have Colossus and his brother, Mikhail. And um, some some major things happen here. So you should definitely read that. I, I can't even hint or talk about that because it's, there's definitely going to be some re repercussions here. And then there's X-Men Red, which I, I'm not particularly, you know, crazy about this series. Um, we, so we have a, Apocalypse, and um, yeah, I, I don't know what, what's going on there. At DC Comics, um, there wasn't a whole... I, I, I think, what, I, what did I read here? So there's a new, um, new Batman, 139. Actually, I should back up. I should do something else first. But what's... Um, this is starting up. Batman like and Joker another another Batman versus Joker story arc because we haven't seen that like just recently what's interesting is uh I feel like we missed something because Bruce kind of has a new secret identity sort of and you know he's he's basically trying to hide away from the rest of the Bat family you know he doesn't want to be interrupted by then so he, it's, he's kind of taking on a new persona. Okay. Joker, 
Joker is targeting back Batman, and at one point, you know, he he kind of leaves some clues. He basically wants Batman to go to a certain place and all that. And then he's got some things set up, and he's like recreated like moments from Batman and Bruce's past. Like he he created like the the alleyway scene, like the the parents laying there and little Bruce. I mean, unless was it were there crime picture? It's like how would he know that? And there's then you know there's like you know dead Jace, dead Robin, you know whatever. I just I don't it, I it's so weird that Joker knows Batman is 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 Bruce Wayne, and that he's he's going with it because for the longest time you know he he didn't and then what we saw what scott snyder came up with is that joker didn't want anything to do with batman's alter ego he didn't care you know and as far as he was concerned there was no alter ego because he was only interested in batman you know that was his enemy that was his opponent his dance partner whatever and if there was someone beneath the mask he didn't he didn't want he didn't care but now, you know, when he's calling him Brucey, and it's just, I, I just don't like that. And I, you know, I've said it so many times that when a villain knows the hero's identity, you know, and he was like Deathstroke, why, if, if you have no scruples or whatever, why wouldn't you just go after the hero at their weakest, weak, you know, weakest point, their, you know, friends, family, anything like that? So I just, I don't know, I just find, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. So I don't like when when that happens because, I'll, I mean, yeah, Joker just wants to play games, but I, I don't buy it. Birds of Prey, issue three. I, I'm enjoying this book. So Kelly Thompson, Leonardo uh, Romero, basically Black Canary, she's assembled his team. She, they need to go to Themyscira. They need to get her sister who, who is there. And, uh, you know, there's some bad things coming that the Amazons may not be aware of. So basically, they're going to get her sister without asking for permission. And, you know, part of it is Black Canary didn't want to ask Wonder Woman because she might say no. And, you know, she didn't want to deal with that. So they're, they're trying to get there without Wonder Woman finding out. And it's just... I, I enjoyed the way their plan is unfolding and the just just a combination of the story the ideas and the art it just it's I it's so good uh, Shazam issue five so in this series the other gods have been kind of messing with Billy Batson with Shazam you know the 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 gods have been kind of tired just sitting back you know in the rock of eternity which you know turns out that they're like in some dark corner and they're they're bored or they whatever so they're basically not necessarily possessing Shazam but they're kind of taking control and just you know doing things and Shazam's kind of gotten in a little bit of trouble as they've kind of messed with them or toyed with them or whatever you know there's a he saved a bunch of people and then he starts like yelling and, and stuff like that and then that went viral and, and everything so you know we have all this stuff and, and Billy's not sure what's going on you know, he doesn't understand 
And um, what is good about this, and I don't think it's on the cover, but Mary Marvel t turns up, which is, is great, because I, I feel like she's so underused. So we do get a little bit of closure, but uh, what's interesting is the way it ends. Basically, Billy like confronts the other gods, and he's like, dude, he's like, what are you doing? You, you know, this is not cool, but he doesn't say it that way. And uh, there's there's a, a bit of a twist where someone else kind of does something, and it's just like, uh-oh. Uh, Superman 78, number one. So this is by Robert Venditti, and it's uh, more of like Christopher Reeve, Superman, like that continuity. Uh, it, it was an okay first issue. You know, the, Robert Venditti, you know, he, he does a good job, like the way Lois Lane, you know, the way he writes and portrays Lois Lane is like perfect, you know, as, as she was in, in the movies. And even like when, when, you know, you hear Clark talking to her, you know, you can hear Christopher Reeve's voice, you know, doing that. So, you know, he's doing a good job channeling all that. I think the the only problem for me is the fact is because it's in that continuity that kind of that kind of limits the level of the other like potential villains and that. So when someone shows up, you know, it it's not. I don't want to say they're they're watered down, but it's like they they definitely have a different vibe. So I don't know, and but it is true to like the movies but you know so it's like on a different scale so i think that's interesting uh joker the man who stopped laughing so this was a uh, was this issue 12 i think it was i i'm just i'm kind of confused with this whole series and not necessarily in so you know we, we've had like two different we have joker we had this other dude there's like two different jokers like wh who's the real one what's going on and part of it is it, it seemed that joker kind of brainwashed this guy into you know whatever being joker and and things kind of got out of hand the, the, my confusion is so we have this but then what about three jokers you know because the whole thing you know jeff johns and jason fabrics three jokers it's like i because I, I, I guess that because that was a black label so does that mean it's not in continuity? But what's weird is because the whole idea of three Jokers came out in Jeff Johns and Jason Fabric's uh, Justice League. You know, like the seeds were planted there when Batman finds out that there's more than one Joker. But then it's like, is that canon or not? Because then here we have two different Jokers. So it's like they could have easily used the idea of the three Jokers, but maybe... DC and Matthew Rosenberg, they didn't want to use that same idea because they wanted to stand on its own. So it's, it's a little weird. And in, I think it was in, in Batman 139, they make a reference to more than one joke. You know, they, they make a reference to this Joker series. And they also reference like Justice League 50 or whatever it was when, when that first came out. So that's my confusion. Not the fact that who is Joker, you know, which is the real Joker, which is not, because, like, when they're, they're fighting each other, you know, it gets to be a little confusing. It's like, I've lost track of who's who, and, you know, maybe the idea is it doesn't matter, which I don't agree with that. So, I don't know. But the 
the interesting thing is so in Gotham War, the Batman Catwoman Gotham War, I think I mentioned, you know, if if I if it's a spoiler, I'm gonna mention it now. You can hear all about it in the secret podcast on my Patreon. So Batman did some stuff to he basically ch- changed Jason where his he as soon as his adrenaline starts going he's like he's frozen he's scared he can't do anything because Batman wants to stop Jason from being so violent from killing criminals or doing whatever but then in this issue of Joker Joker of all people is trying to change that and he may have tweaked it a bit so it's like it hasn't even been a week and, and already Jason Todd may be on his way back to being normal or is he is he used to be I don't know so that's just kind of weird uh, fire and ice welcome to Smallville this is another another perplexing book I, I, I'm not sure about like who is this meant for I I find it vaguely entertaining you know I, I do enjoy this but it feels out of sync with like the rest of the DC universe. And so, you know, I, I don't know if we're supposed to be taking it seriously or if it is purely just entertainment for fun. It almost feels like it might be for younger readers. I, I don't know, but some of the jokes don't really, wouldn't really click with younger readers. I, I, I just, it's just weird. It is like borderline absurd with like some of the, the wackiness that that's goes on. So I, I just, I'm not sure what to make of this, but, um, but the, you know, the writing is, is good apart from, from that, you know, where it, it, it you know, where does this click fit in the art? I I'm, I'm digging, but it's just some, some weird choices where it doesn't feel like this could actually be happening in a DC universe. Cause you know, all, all this happen, happening in that, you know, in Smallville, I don't know. Uh, Blue Beetle number three. I feel bad. It's like I should be reading that. And uh, so I I don't know what's going on there. Um, Poison Ivy's at issue 16. And um, I think that's all that I read. So I think that is going to be it. That is it for comics this week. All right. Then with Doom Patrol season four, episode nine, Immortimus Patrol. Yeah. Um, this was a musical episode, and I don't do not have anything really against musical episodes. I mean, some of them sometimes they can be entertaining, they can be clever. I wasn't. I I, I don't know what it was with this. Like there, you know, there is a musical number in the Marvels, which we'll talk about later. I I was totally fine with that, but this episode, I just I feel like it wasn't necessary. And and okay, I I, I guess my, my my issue with it is, it's been done so many times. You know, like when it was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you know that was like weird and bizarre, and it, it was it was something new. It's like okay, this is this is crazy. And then um, who else did it? I was Grey's, Grey's Anatomy the next one to to do it. You know, I I I saw that episode. I wasn't watching the show, but I did see that the musical episode and. That was weird, doesn't really fit in, but whatever. And, you know, every once in you know, <laughs> Riverdale has done so many musical episodes, but that 
is almost like normal for them. Uh, so you know, there's something to be said when when you do a musical episode. I, I think it, you know it can be very clever because it's you know not only are you writing dialogues for your characters, but you know to make create actual you know songs and that. And then here on top of that, you know, there's it's not just music, but there's like song and dance, and you know, so there's something to be said about all that. But I just it's not what I wanted. And I, it, it, it does fit with the weird and wackiness of the show. So let's just get to it. All right. It does. It, it, the intro is a little different. Uh, the, the music is, is kind of like, a, like acapella. It's almost like Christmassy, which fits because it's Immortimus, you know, they, so there's like celebrating Immortimus. There's, you see these like signs. There's like the religious, those, what are they called those glass candles you know you usually have like jesus or whoever in there but they have isabel's image dorothy lights a candle and she starts doing like this ballet dancing in the hall and it's like what? what's going on see so i didn't i just kind of whistled there um i just got, got, i was like what so she's doing this dancing and she starts singing this immortimus song like some sort of like holiday themed theme um song and then um, the sex ghosts are, are there, but thankfully they're not having sex because that would just be really weird and awkward. But they they come out, and then they kind of take on a corporate cor, corporal cor, cor, how do you say it cor, corporeal form, where they they look like human, uh, wearing nightgowns or whatever, and they're just there to be like background dancers because they start dancing as well. But again, thankfully, not with the sex. Um, then uh, Casey f- kind of falls through Jane's window. And Jane's like, Casey, I, you know, I said you can use a front door. But then Casey, but then how could you be the first person I wish I happy Immortus, Immortimus, you know, whatever, day two. So then they both squeal in excitement. It's like, <laughs> what's happening here? Jane's like, let's go get some breakfast before Clip eats it all. You know, they're like super cheerful. It doesn't seem like Jane at all. And then as they go out in the hallway to go down to the kitchen, they, sing, they start singing and dancing about celebrating Mortimus Day and, you know, the day she was born all the stuff. They, they come across Dorothy and the ghost. They all start dancing some more. And I'm just like, ugh. In the living room, Rouge is, she's singing too. You know, it's, it's it's time to celebrate my favorite holiday. You know, she made a bunch of brand new sweaters. The other comes in. Rue starts handing him out. You know, she gives everyone a sweater and, and a hug. Cliff comes in, but it's Brendan Fraser. He's not Robot Man. No, he's Brendan Fraser. He starts singing about getting his sweater. Vic comes in. You know, he's got a bunch of, like, wrapped boxes. Rouge um, calls on to Larry. It's Matt Bomber. You know, no bandages. And, uh... He has some like flying spirit around him. I don't know if it's supposed to be Keeg, but he, I think he called it Tink. Then and they're all together. So it's like, wait, are they playing charades or are they just telling the story to Mortimus? More continued singing, dancing. The song finally ends, and Casey and Jane have to do some more decorating. And Jane says that it almost feels like something's off. And then there's another song. Uh, and at, at this point, it's like, wait, does Casey have a crush on Jane? which I think is, is basically what's going on. But, you know, she's singing about, you know, she doesn't want to take a chance to find out if, you know, because she's 
doesn't not sure if Jane's gonna feel the same way, blah blah blah. Then we see there's this big cake, has Isabel's image under. Rita and Rouge are talking about, you know, being ready when Immortimus or Immortus comes. Then Rita's like, when she comes, because you know it's not like an if, it's just almost like a great pumpkin thing. Then there's another song. During the song, um, Rouge is like stamping envelopes because I think there's like sending sending out Immortimus Day cards. But as she stamps, she starts getting flashes to stamping people like when she worked at whatever that, that organization and she was stamping people, whether if they're weapons and, and, and so forth. And then she gets like images of a time machine when she first sees Isabel. And then she says that she thinks something might be wrong, but the song continues. Then when Rita and the ghost leaves, she's like, somehow Isabel has managed to make this whole world about her. And in this world, we all fudging sing. And then and she's like, I'm in Isabel's musical fever dream. And then in a high-pitched voice, she starts singing, what the fudge? Dorothy and Vic, they look at this like giant gingerbread mansion that she, you know, she basically built a gingerbread house out of like their, their mansion. And, you know, including like, there's like cookies for each person. She's excited about Immortus coming. And, you know, he's, he's like, well, you know, she's pretty busy. So, you know, you don't want to get your hopes up, but she's like, no, no, we'll show she's going to be here. Cliff's looking forward to some alone time in the basement, if you know what I mean. So he grabs a bunch of videotapes, hoping one of them will do the trick. There's this one, it's, it's Isabel Immortus, you know, reading a story. And then, then she starts doing this, like, kind of weird dancing or anything like that. Because, you know, he's got, like, this tissue and he's got, like, a bottle of lotion ready to go and everything. And then um, Rouge comes in and he actually, like, squeezes the bottle. So it's like, of course, it spurts out and everything. And he's like, well, what? I wasn't doing anything type of thing. And she asks if he's had any devious thoughts or underhanded um, sensations have popped up or something like that and he gets up he's like what no but when he stands up his pants fall off because he took his belt off as he's like watching the video he pulls his pants up he's like no and he walks out but then the video that cliff was watching so again it was isabel telling the story and he paused it when rouge came in and so rouge sits and she unpauses it but then she paused it again and the screen kind of flickers because it's like an old time like old old tv you know vhs and all that stuff and it the screen the image kind of flickers and we see larry with bandages on so then she's you know kind of like does a double take on it out in the hall larry comes down and he asks her how a sweater looks at him because he's about to meet his meet with his his boyfriend and she's like surprised by this because you know she didn't know that he had a boyfriend type of thing and he's like, like yeah we met under the craziest circumstances and he starts explaining and she stops him from telling the story she's like i'm gonna have to be the grinch here she's like i want to show you something then we see jane's painting and casey walks in the room and kind of startles her because she wanted to see if they were all right because there was this sort of like weird energy before she's like right and jane's like um and then casey just you know doesn't she just changed the subject. She's like, what are you painting? And Jane's like, I don't know. She's like, the image has been in my head all day. So it's like the underground, the train car and everything like that. She's like, it seems so familiar, but I can't put my finger on it. Then she asks if, you know, Casey, she's like, do you like it? Whatever. And, you know, looking at Jane, she's like, yeah, it's amazing. So Casey, obviously, and I don't think this happened in the real world, you know, because they weren't really around each other long enough for her to have feelings for her. But then um, Casey's like, if I had one note, I'd say it could use a little more color. And Jane kind of like stares at it. And then 
the image starts to shift and everything like that, but then an alarm goes off. So Rouge calls them all down for a team meeting. Larry walks in all bandaged up, and then they, they laugh at when they see him. They're like, oh, I don't know, there's going to be a theme this year or whatever. Larry, he's like, just, Rouge will explain. So she starts, um, again, that, you know, she called him there for a team meeting, but Vic cuts in. He's like, uh, you keep saying team meeting. It's like, what team? And Larry's like, just sighs. Rouge, she's like, oh, we're back to square one. She's like, this may be hard to believe, but we are, in fact, a superhero team known as the Doom Patrol. They all laugh. There's like, Doom, Doom Patrol, you know, because they think it's just ridiculous. Rouge continues. She's like, we are currently in a fake, never-ending holiday called Immortimus. And then they kind of get serious. Then Cliff's like, oh, this is just a classic Rouge prank. And Larry's like, it's not a prank. And Rouge says that they aren't who they think they are. And Rita's like, this is all very funny. It's like, and she lets out this big, ha, 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 big boisterous laugh. And she's like, I have to help Dorothy with the ham or something like that. So she's like, gets up and leaves. And because, you know, Rouge is like, yeah, that's a good idea. So she like lets her leave instead of trying to stop her to listen. Then she asks Casey if she would please join Rita in the kitchen. Because, you know, it's, it's better for the team. And then, you know, she leaves and Jane's like, how come they get to go? Because, you know, she doesn't want to sit there. So then Rouge gets serious. She's like, okay, listen, you fudge knuckles. <laughs> She's like, we have a situation in her hands. And she plays that Mortimus video. And Cliff's like, whoa, 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 wait, is this is not. He's like, I can explain. And Rouge, Rouge is like, no, Cliff, it's not about the. And she makes like a hand gesture. And he's like, oh, never mind. So Rouge says it's all a trick to keep them docile. And with the help of Larry, she was able to find out what was really on these tapes. So she pauses it, and it flickers to Larry, you know, all bandaged up. It's his, like, old interview tape. He's talking about being bandaged and how, you know, his radiation is now contained. You know, he's no longer of this world. He's not human. Then she, there's, like, different screens in the room, different, like, little TVs. So she pauses in another one, and it switches to Cliff as, as Robot Man. And, you know, he's talking about all of life's pleasures have been stripped away. Rouge goes to another one, you know, the screen, and it's Jane. You know, she's saying, you know, it's, it's all all fake or whatever like that. And Cliff's like, why did you wait until after Immortimus Day? And she's like, because, Cliff, there is no after Immortimus. There is only Immortimus Day forever. She's like, unless we can find a way out. Then Vic's like, hold on a minute. How is all this fake, this life, this holiday? We celebrate every single year. And she's like, no, Vic, we don't. It's all made up. Just like you and Derek running a robotics club is all made up. You are cyborg, formerly cyborg. You are a meta-human superhero. Then it kind of clicks, and then he's back. So he says that they have to come up with a plan to get out of this Hallmark hell. And Cliff's like, why do we want to get out? And so then there's more discussion. Cliff's starting to act like a jerk, but you know maybe he's not fully back. And Jane's like, well, whatever. She's like, I'm done with getting out if I don't have to sing anymore. Then Vic says that he's going to go tell Dorothy the truth, um, and one of them can, can tell Rita. So Vic talks to Dorothy, and she's like, how can they want to leave when they can have it all here? And you know she, she doesn't understand all this stuff, so you know, she's like upset. She leaves. And then Vic starts singing. He starts really getting into it, you know, about who does he have to be, you know, does he have to say goodbye? And, and then he, he's just doing all this like dancing and moving around. And he, he ends up, he's like on a front porch and Rouge opens the door. She's like, Vic? And he is, she, she's like, yeah. She's like, are you um, singing? And he's like, 
Yeah. Then she's like, well, when you're done with, uh, it's lovely, but when you're done with, with all of that, do you want to uh, meet me at the bone tree? She goes back in. He kind of like looks at the camera, continues singing and dancing. Then he, you know, he's, he's out somewhere else. Then Cliff's like up on top of this wall or something like that. And he's like peeing and it almost hits Vic. He's like, what are you doing? Whatever. And Cliff's like, he just wants to, he wants to be able to do it while he can still feel, you know, the sensation, whatever, you know, a peeing, I guess. So then Vic goes to this other spot, keeps singing. Then Larry comes out. He's like, Vic, you all right? And he's like, I don't know. It's because he can't finish the song. Jane and, and Casey walk inside. Jane asks Casey, you know, how can she be so calm about this? And she says that, you know, she guesses she's getting used to being ripped from reality. And Jane says that, uh, you know, about their duet before. And, you know, she's getting her memories back. And she wants Casey to know that she's great. But the truth is, it's not just her and that body. And Casey's like, oh, it's fine. But obviously, you know, I don't think she's really fine with it. So then Larry's boyfriend shows up. It's this, what's his name? Uh, I can't remember that, that dude that just, they, they just brought him back. He thinks he's, he, he looks at Larry cause he's all bandaged up. He's like, oh, am I supposed to unwrap you? This, you know what? And then, then he thinks that Larry's breaking up with him when he's trying to explain things. He's like, you're breaking up with me in a mummy costume. Then they're singing and dancing, which again, it's just, it keeps going. Rita is watching this old movie of hers. Rouge comes in, and then Rita asks, you know, why didn't she tell her when she told the others? And Rouge says that she didn't want to ruin her special day again. Then Rita says that, you know, she has to admit, you know, she doesn't care if this is all fake. And Rouge asks if she's okay with living in a world where someone might break into song and, you know, at any moment. She's like, oh, I don't want to be a monster anymore. She's like, Rita you are never a monster to me. And Rita's like, that's because in this friendship, you're the monster. And she gets a walk us. And I mean, that was kind of harsh. And she, so you, you can tell that, that Rouge is, is her, it hurt her feelings. So Cliff is sitting by a phone. He finally gets a nerve. He calls Claire and he's like, happy Mortimus. And you can hear, you know, as they're talking, Rory's in the background. He says, hi, hi, pop, pop, whatever. So they talk a little bit. He says goodbye. And then, Robot Man's in a room too, and then Cliff starts like singing and dancing. The ghosts are there, so it's just another song. And then their doorbell rings, so they all head to the door. And you know, so is it Isabel? Rita thinks that they should stall until after dinner. They open the door, and in like a, a sing-song voice, she's like, "Hello, I'm here." She's like, "Where's my ham?" So I guess she really likes ham, because that's a big part of a Mortimer's Day. She sees Larry, and she's like, oh, I didn't know there's a theme. Then she like, snaps her fingers. They're all on the dining room table. Then she says, how about we go around the table and share what we're grateful for? She's like, I'll start. I'm grateful for me. She's like, who's next? How about you, Mr. Mummy Ma'am? And he says that you know, he's grateful for family and getting to introduce his boyfriend. And she's like, and? And then he's like, and getting to worship you, Isabel. But she growls, and there's like thunder because he said Isabel instead of Immortus. And in a normal voice, she's like, Can someone pass the ham? And then she's like, Who's next? So Rouge goes next. So she's like, I'm grateful you were there for me in my time of need. I needed to do a giant pish, and you provided a wipe for me to freshen up my foo foo. 
and Cl Cliff says something about he's like, it's like, oh, this is a Mortimus day, and you know, this is all that we've ever known. But Rue says that she didn't even uh, try to hide that this was an alternate reality, or maybe she just sucks at this because you know she's like, this is clearly fake. And Isabel like grunts, and then she starts like choking Rouge from across the table, and she's like, "Don't you all agree, Rouge is the ultimate party pooper?" And it's like like quiet. Then in a demonic voice, she's like, "Don't you agree?" So they're all like, "Yeah, yeah, yep, uh huh, yeah." Isabel repeats her question about you know what are they thankful for? Rouge is still choking, can't answer. Then Rita cuts in saying that she has something to say. She's like, "We are so grateful." For you, because without you, we would not be the incredible people at this table. I have to admit, you've been a role model to me. You've taught me what it means to be an icon and a hero. And she's like, thank you, Rita. Who's next? And then almost harshly, she's like, I'm not done. She's like, your need for constant attention and adulation is inspiring. Your hunger for perfection, although a hopeless endeavor, is almost as impressive as your lack of self-awareness. And finally, and this is what I do admire most, your ability to be an even bigger narcissist than I could ever be. She's like, you think you're all-powerful? You think you're all-knowing? Well, I know you because I was you, and I don't want to be you anymore. It is a sad, lonely, pathetic existence. And Jane kind of makes like a yikes face. Larry um, sighs because he knows something is coming. Isabel sighs. She's like, I see. And you all agree? Cliff, like, emphatically, he's like, absolutely not. Praise Immortimus. And then he's like, uh, Rita's just, you know, tired. He's like, it's ham fumes or something like that. So Dorothy quietly says, she's like, actually, I agree with Rita. And Cliff's, he's like, WTF. And Vic's like, let her speak. So Dorothy says that, you know, she's not sure that this is what she wants anymore. Immortimus is just another prison. It's another lie. You know, she's done lying to herself. She's like 100 years old and it's just still like haunting. She's like, I've never lived out in the real world. I can't lock myself away anymore. I need to go. And Casey's like, I'll go with you. And Rita's like, three votes to leave Immortimus. And Cliff's like, no, 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 no. That, that That's not what she means. And, and then and he's like, and who's this? Like pointing to Casey. Casey says that she thought she found a new life, you know, a new adventure here, and kind of like looking at Jane, she's like, I was wrong. She's like, if I'm going to be a hero in the real world, I need to see the real world. And Cliff's like, can't a human man catch a break? So then Larry's boyfriend kisses his hand, and he's like, I really wanted to stay here. It's about as perfect as perfect can be. And then Larry says, finally, you know, someone's saying what we're all thinking. He's like, but if I'm being honest with myself, and then Cliff's like, fudge me. He's like, it's another story being written for me. He's like, you were right all along, Larry. I feel like I'm losing my voice. <laughs> He's like, I don't want to live in a, in a fake world either. He's like, how can I know what I truly want when people keep rewriting my backstory? He's like, how can I trust my feelings when I don't even know who I am? And Rita's like, that's four votes. And Vic's like, and I'm five. Jane's like, so basically what we're trying to say is fudge you and fudge Immortimus. And Isabel slams her fist down on the table. And then, uh, like, the grasp on Rouge is, is released and she can breathe again. So Isabel leans back. She's like, starts sobbing. She slides down out of her chair. But then she climbs back up and then she growls. She paces. 
and she's like wails and she screams like in her demonic voice then she starts controlling them like puppets she like, makes them all sit straight the chairs like slide back she makes them stand turn they start walking forward then out in the hall she starts singing and you know she's like i, I fix all your problems what do you do you find a way to break out and make it all about you rita's like are you gonna kill us and she's like, ha, 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 She's like, I don't have to because you're all doomed. Doomed, doomed. Then they all return to the regular looks. Cliff's like a robot. Rita's old, etc. And um, something floats down. Rita catches it. It's a headshot of Isabel. And it's signed, you're doomed. Love, Isabel, XOXO. And Rita's like, son of a witch. And that's where it ends. So my, my point with this is like okay what did what did that really accomplish and you know i don't want to say like what's the point but but kind of like what was the point so last episode you know it seemed like everything blew up and all of that was just for um isabel to create this fake world and trap them and to give a bunch of song and dance and i don't know it just it just yeah it it just it didn't seem necessary and, you know, I don't want to take away from the cleverness, the effort to write all these songs and music, but it just, it, you know, nothing really happened. They're back where they started. So we'll see. So, so next, how many episodes are there? Okay. So all episodes are out now. There's three more for me to talk about. So next week I'll do episode 10 and, um, yeah, I'm still going to do one a week because, like, with Loki ending, you know, I, I want to make sure I still have something to talk about. All right, let's talk Invincible. What I kind of knew, what I heard, but I never fully bothered to check, is during Comic-Con, they released an episode. And I was like, didn't they really? Because I thought I heard something about it. I didn't really read about it. But I was like, I thought I heard that there was an Adam Eve episode, and there was. So <laughs> I never talked about that episode, and I never watched that episode up until this past week. So that that, and so here's the thing: I watched the episode, even though you know, again, my time trying to watch everything, blah blah blah, all that stuff. And I debate is like, okay, should I talk about this episode or not? You know, I never talked about it, but on the other hand, this episode came out in July. So anyone interested probably already watched it. So I don't think I'm going to go into the specifics of that episode. But basically, it was Adam. Uh, it was uh, Eve's. It was uh, her origin, Samantha. You know her whole story when she was born. You know how she got her powers or why she has her powers, and just you know the stuff with her parents and and everything. So it was. It was it was cool to see it's it's an interest uh, an interesting choice and it kind of makes sense that it's its own episode because since it's all about her you know it it would probably seem weird i mean it it could they could have done it you know have a special spotlight on her in, in a regular season but you know we we get to see how she grew up and and started using her powers and so it was just i i do think it's important for the character it's, it's just, yeah. So with season two, episode one, a lesson for your next life. When it first starts off, I'm like, wait, how did the last season end? Because it's, it starts off, we see Invincible is fighting Immortal, like in the sky. 
and he's like, I've been hit harder before, like way harder. And then Immortal's like, so arrogant, just like your father. So there's more hitting, like, you know, we're fighting back and forth. And Invincible's like, why can't you trust me? And he's like, after what Omni-Man did, after what you did. And then he has like Mark by the throat. And then just like red streak zips down and like severs Immortal's arm. So it's Omni-Man. I was like, wait, I thought he was gone. And then he's like, you. And he's like, yep. So Immortal starts like swinging and kicking at Omni-Man. Then Omni-Man catches his fist, twists and breaks his arm. Like bone pops out. He punches him, punches his head off. Invincible catches the head and then squeezes it into a pulp. And I'm just like, uh, what are you doing, Mark? And he's like, Immortal, your way out of that. And he's like, Dad? And he's like, the Immortal lived for thousands of years trying to make the planet better for all his people. I thought he'd see the truth, like you did. And he's like, I think he was trying to lead us away, so he must be close. So then we see Mark on his, you know, a video screen. He's like, people of Earth, we know you all feel like we're the bad guys because my dad and I took over your planet. And you see, like, buildings are destroyed. There's, like, fire and smoke. So Mark's like, or Invincible's like, but you're going to be part of the Viltrum Empire. And that means no one goes hungry. No one dies from cancer. No one ever messes with Earth again. And he's like, look, I didn't get it at first either. But I came around, and you will come around too. And in the long run, you'll thank us. But you need to remember, the more you resist, the worse this gets. We didn't destroy your cities. You destroyed them by fighting back. Your new Vultramite rules, rulers are on the way, and it's time to join us in welcoming them. And if you still think you can stop us, don't forget, I'm, because this is usually where the show logo comes in, but it doesn't, Invincible. So then it starts playing over. So we see someone walking. The, the it's, He's listed as Angstrom number 646. So he has like a backpack and like a hoodie. He ducks in this alley and he goes in the back of a school bus and there's like an elevator that takes him down. So Robot's down there with like several others. It's like some like, it's just supposed to be like the rebellion or whatever. So uh, he, Robot asks Angstrom if he was followed and he says that the immortal led them away so that they're safe. Um, Eve's there. She has like a buzz cut. She has some like scars. And she's like, that's what Rex thought too. So Angstrom, he was to retrieve a canister of null energy. And he's like, if this doesn't give Omni-Man a bad day, nothing will. Then the place starts rumbling. And then Omni-Man Invincible busts down through like the ceiling. And Omni-Man's like, told you we were close. And Mark's like, hey, Eve. And, and she like puts up a force field. He's like, you look good. And then she like charges at him. Starts like shooting blasts at him. Their fight kind of takes him away from the others. Angstrom gives a null energy to the robot life pod. And then regular robot goes up to Omni-Man. Omni-Man breaks off his arm and then zoom, slices him in half. The life pod robot shoots him with the null energy. It's like, it's like this black energy just like shoots at him. He goes like flying back. And then Angstrom yells. He's like, get back. Omni-Man charges, smashes into the life pod. like, And then right before Omni-Man smashes it, robot's like, someday you will die too. And then he replies, he's like, sure, but you should have died at birth. So Invincible, he's like blocking Eve's blast. He's like, last chance, Eve. You and your stupid resistance made us kill thousands of innocent people. And he like smashes through a shield. He grabs her by the throat. He's like, stop this or I stop you. He's like, please. 
And she's like, I'd rather die. And he's like, what? Eve, I would never kill you, but I can't let you hurt anyone else. He snaps her neck. It's like, dude, you just said you would never kill her, and then you kill her. Or does he? Um, Omni-Man's like, sorry, you had to do that, Mark. And he's like, she didn't leave you a choice. Mark sighs. He's like, she's not dead, just paralyzed. And you see like a tear going down her cheek. And Omni-Man's like, huh. So that's what you were practicing on those protesters last week. And, and he's like, yeah, I've got some people who will take care of her. So, you know, I can visit. And then to the others on her, Omni-Man's like, hi, since you were all part of the resistance, resistance we need to kill you. And Angstrom yells, he's like, murderers. And Omni-Man's like, ah, a volunteer. And Invincible's like, hey, buddy, you sentenced yourself to death when you joined Club Resistance. And he's like, justice, justice will come for you. For all your friends, we lost your senseless cruelty. For all the family you've, you've torn apart, you'll reap what you... And Omni-Man's like, let's do this, Mark. He's like, I missed lunch because of that riot in Bangkok. And he's like, way ahead of you. But then a green portal opens up, like beneath angstrom and he just like falls through and mark's like what the hell was that a portal or something and omni man's like eh, who cares he's like let's finish this off i'm starving and then it's kind of surprising it's like a karma police by radiohead plays and you see like mark sitting on, on a mountainside there's like a splatter of blood he like flies around he puts out this big fire with like a tidal wave he stops elephant guy um that whatever he stops his high-speed chase. He carries an ambulance with a guy who had a heart attack directly to the hospital. Um, he catches his flying cop car that gets thrown. Then he like flies back home. So there's a news report. So obviously this is the real reality. So what we saw at the beginning was not, and that's at, it was kind of confusing. I was like, what is going on? So there's a news report. Life after Omni-Man. Crews have been working on rebuilding the city. So Debbie, Mark's mom, turns off the TV. Mark comes in and he's like, hey, they hug. So at this like super prism, Mahler um, one, I'm going to call him Mahler one, he gets fed. He complains about the food. He wants real food. Mahler two, like across the the hall. He's talking to the guard two. Then portals open up behind each of them. So they decide to to walk through because, you know, they don't know where, where they lead to. They see like a skeletal body on the ground. And then they look up and they see Angstrom, like on this like kind of mountain. So they climb up, they see like the desolation, destruction, and they ask like what happened here. Angstrom says, it's like a tragedy, but don't worry, this isn't your world. He's like, my name is Angstrom Levy, Levi, Levy, I forget. And he's like, hi Angstrom. He's like, why'd you break us out? And then the other one's like, and what do you want? He's like, that's basically, the first one's like, that's basically the same question, idiot. So Angstrom's like, I'll explain as we go. This earth's too dangerous to stay here for long. So he's like, let me guess. You can open portals between dimensions, but not within dimensions. And he's like, what makes you say that? He's like, because we're walking. He's like, and because you needed to find a crater deep enough to here to reach us in the, the GDA's underground, you know, prison so he's, he's like, I need your help with a very specific problems. So they're like, well, last time we helped someone, it, it didn't work out well for us. And Angstrom's like, look, I'm a pacifist. I only use my power for good. Working with the two of you is a real ethical and moral stretch for me. But I don't have a choice. There's no one else with our scientific je ne sais quoi. He's like, trust me, I've looked everywhere. 
He's like, now I can't force you to help me, but I will leave you here forever if you don't, or somewhere worse. And then one of the mothers like, I miss when we worked for ourselves. And the other one's like, me too. So then it's at the high school. Everyone's staring at Mark in the hall. And they're like, did you hear what happened to his dad? I feel so bad for him. Then Todd, the bully, his nemesis comes out. He's like, Mark, Mark Grayson. And he's like, ah. he's like, Todd, listen. I, and then Todd gives him a big hug. He's like, I'm uh, sorry your dad got exploded. And he's like, oh. And Todd's like, that sucks, man. Totally sucks. And he's like, he starts talking on and on. Amber walks up, grabs Mark away. She's like, thanks, Todd. And she's like, Mark appreciates it. And then he's like, good talk, man. And then everyone hall, he's like, see, I'm not an a-hole. So Mark and Amber, so Mark's girlfriend, they, they talk, they're like an empty cafeteria. And he's, he's like, it's fine. And she's like, yeah, it's fine, but are you fine? And Mark's like, Todd's right. My dad might as well be dead. I don't get to be sad. I'm part of the problem. I'm the reason all those people in Chicago died. And she's like, wait a second. And Mark's like, I shouldn't be here. I should be out there making up for all of my mistakes. She's like, you didn't kill those people, Mark. She's like, Omni-Man did. He's like, but I didn't save them. She's like, you stopped your dad and saved the planet. You know, it, and it almost killed you. You don't owe anyone anything. He's like, I'm not so sure. So then Mark meets with uh, Cecil at like a burger place. And Mark says that, you know, going back to school made him realize that it's the wrong place for him right now. He's like, I need to be out there. He's like, you need to start calling on me again. I'm better. I'm stronger. I'm ready. And Cecil's like, no, you're not. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, you think I haven't been watching your early morning outings? And he's like, that's why I need you. I need to do more. Cecil's like, it's only been a month, Mark. He's like, focus on your mom, your grades, your girlfriend. You want to go to college with Amber, right? You can't do that if you don't graduate. And he's like, I can save lives. He's like, you did. You saved tons of them. But you also went through an emotional tumble dryer. And I need to know that your head's stopped spinning before I let you back in the game. So no, not yet. He gets up. And he's like, you can't stop me. He's like, I don't need your permission to be a superhero. And Cecil's like, you know who else said that to me? And Mark's like, I'm not my dad. And, you know, he says again, I'm not my dad. Smashes his fist down on the table. And he kind of like dents it a bit. So Cecil's like, take some time off, kid. Some real time off. You need it. So Cecil teleports back to the Pentagon. They're like monitoring the, the giant. You know, he punched some buildings. And Donald, his assistant, whatever, dude, he's like, it's not going well. He's like, the Guardians could use some help. And Cecil says that he's not making the same mistake again. He's like, there's only one way the kid goes back out there, and that's if he's on a very short leash. So the Giant says that um, he wants to be uh, a president of America, and he wants to be an astronaut. So Robot's like, based on his speech patterns and vocabulary, the Giant seems to have the mental capacity of an eight-year-old. And then Robot almost gets smashed. So now that um, he's inside, you know, it's, it's like what is, he's starting to be scared. You know, because uh, what's her what's her name? You know, she's she's like you know, it used to be just a, a video game for him. Oh, what's that? What's her name again? Monster Girl. Angstrom shows the Maulers this big device. They say there's like that's one of our somatic encoders, but bigger. And Angstrom says that he copied off of their designs. So it reads, copies, and writes human minds. He just can't get it started. And so if they can get it started, but two questions. They're like, what do you need it for? And what's in it for us? 
He says that there's an infinite number of dimensions and he was born with the ability to access all of them. Some have tiny differences. He's like, remember that battle between Omni-Man and Invincible a month ago? And other dimensions, they teamed up and took over the planet. And, he, and one of them all is like, and we're the bad guys? So Angstrom's like, and what's important is that in each dimension it has something unique and valuable. Like Shakespeare's we've never read. Technology's beyond our understanding. New ways of thinking. Philosophy's a piece. All our problems, famine, war, climate change, cancer, have been solved somewhere else. He's like, and I can be the conduit of that knowledge. I'll help our, our world first, of course, then everywhere else. He's like, I can save billions upon trillions of lives. And they're like, sounds fun, but saving lives isn't really our jam. So he says that, you know, you know, it would require a lot of knowledge and exploration. And he's like, you know, good thing we've always been inquisitive. And they're like, we? So he takes them into his other room to see his family, or the family. He's like, they're all alternate versions of him. He's like, I've gathered 10 times more in safe houses scattered across other dimensions. He's like, they don't have my ability, but they have something almost as valuable, intimate knowledge of their home dimensions. That will help me figure out what they do best and how to get it here, which brings me back to you. I need you to copy all their know-how and put it in here. And he points to his head. So one of them all is like, why not just ask some questions? And he's like, because only someone who can see the whole puzzle can put it together. He's like, help me do this and I'll give you any single dimension you want as long as you promise not to hurt anyone. And they're like, we want one with no superheroes and good food. And a population that thinks we're gods. So Debbie comes home. She expects Mark to be there. But there's someone there. It's Olga. And she has a butcher's knife in her hand. So she's uh, the Russian lady married to Red Rush. Before Omni-Man killed him. She's like, I've been waiting for you. It's like, the back door was open. I'd let myself in. She's like, I made Stroganoff. And she's basically there. Because she knows what she's going through. And Debbie says that. When she saw her with that knife, Nolga's like, oh, I would never do that. It's too obvious. She's like, poison? That's a different story. But she says that she knows Nolan lied to her. She was hurt just as badly as she was. She's like, both our husbands died that night. You can be sad and angry at the same time. And she's like, that's how I felt after burying my husband. So Debbie's like, Nolan killed so many people. He almost killed Mark. Said I didn't matter. That I was a pet. 20 years and I was a GD pet. So Olga hugs her. He was a bastard. The worst kind, but he's gone now. I have to go back to Moscow in a few days, but uh, she puts like this black card with like some red lines and, and dots on it. So Debbie's like, what's this? And she's like, something that helped me. Then Mark comes home. He's like, hey, mom. Oh, hi, Olga. He's like, I'm going to go to my room. And he said, and Debbie's like, Olga made stroganoff. I made dinner. He's like, I already ate. And so Olga's like, you can't help him until you help yourself. So, But Debbie's like, I'm fine, really. Cecil chastises the Guardians for the repeated fudge-ups. Um, Duplicate says that you know he's being a little harsh. And he says that that was a nice way of saying it. Rex says that you know they put their necks on the line. And Cecil tells them, just, he's like, just shut up. He's like, we've run analysis on your last 15 engagement and narrowed it down to a failure of leadership. So Rex laughs. He's like, oh, off the hook. Rudy, robot, he says that he's still adjusting to his new body. And Cecil says that he's instituting a change. He's like, the immortal is now in charge. A couple thousand years of experience should turn things around. It's 
also obvious a team needs more muscle. And he's like, meet Bulletproof. So Rex continues being sarcastic. He's like, and what do you do besides have the most obvious code name? So he's like, I do everything you wish you you could. He's like, and that's rich coming from a guy called Rexplode. He's like, you think that grade school poop up yourself? Or did someone help you with that? And Immortal cuts in. He's like, new training schedules are in your lockers. First sessions in 30 minutes. Dismissed. So Cecil tells Rudy that he still wants him on the team. He's like, you did good with that. He's like, and he's like, this is not the outcome I desired. But yes, of course, I understand. Well, I forgot Russo Rex. I think he said that he came up with the name himself or something like that. So at school, you hear, hey, stranger, Eve's there. And so then Eve and Mark, they go sit on the roof. And she's like, otherwise, life out in the woods is good. Maybe a little lonely, but I don't mind. He's like, sounds nice. And she's like, so? He's like, so? So this is where you tell me how you are. He's like, I don't. Uh, okay, I guess. And she's like, when was the last time you went out as invincible? He's like, yesterday morning, but I'm just flying around like an idiot. I can't stop thinking. You know, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be my dad. Like, what if that happens? She's like, you're not your dad, Mark. We all know that. The, the whole world knows that. And he's like, Cecil doesn't. Then she's like, so prove him wrong. Cecil looks at a monitor. They've tracked down the maulers. Donald says that they don't know what they're building, but it's big. Cecil wants to send a team. And Mark shows up. And Cecil's like, now's not a good time. And Mark's like, I'll work for you. I'll follow orders. I'll let you make all the calls. Just put me back out there. Donald tells Cecil that the energy levels just went off the charts. You know, and then... Um, so he's like, someone get this kid in your piece. So the Maulers, um, they're getting the device ready. They hook it to like devices from nine other dimensions. And then Angstrom gets in like this main seat. So there's a lot of groaning. He's like, I am large and I contain multitudes. Then Invincible shows up. And uh, you know, he describes this, this scene to Cecil. You know, there's a giant metal Christmas tree with a bunch of the same guy connected to it, a bunch of portals above. Then he tells the Maulers to shut it down or he takes it down. And they say that they wanted to see him try. He's Invincible's like, you have no idea how much I wanted you to say that. So he goes, like, start fighting. Angstrom tells him to wait. The Mauler says that, you know, he's stronger than he looked, but no way he lives up to the name Invincible. Then several portals open up. More Maulers come out. One Mauler, I think he yells something that they were special, whatever. So Invincible does a good job taking them all down, but then soon he starts getting overpowered, and Manx, Angstrom like mumbles, yells, he's like, I won't build my utopia with blood. And he starts taking off the helmet, but then the Maulers yell for him to stop, but it's like, too, it's like it's too much power, it'll kill them all. And then, boosh, big explosion. Everything's like incinerated. Invincible slowly gets up. When the smoke clears, you know, the other gardens show up, and Rex's like, huh, I guess he really is invincible. And Mark's like, no, 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 no. It's like, not again. Rex says that it was just the Maulers. You know, he did good. Cecil chimes in and says that he can't believe he's saying this. He's like, but listen to Rex. And Mark's like, no, there are other people in there. He's like, even the Maulers didn't deserve this. And he's like, everyone here did this to themselves. Whatever they were planning, you stopped them. This is what happens when you follow my orders. We did good today. You understand me? So Invincible returns home. Mom was, she was working and drinking. She passed out on the counter in the kitchen. 
he tries waking her several times. She finally gets up and she sees bruises on his face. She's immediately concerned. He's like, oh, it's, it's okay. He's like, I'm working for Cecil now. And he's like, and I stopped the maulers, but things exploded. So he asks her if she's eaten dinner and she's like, no, you know, she must have forgotten. He says that he'll make dinner and she's like, they, they can order something. He's like, no, he's like, I want to make it. So she tells, she's like, oh, it's a mail came for you. So later he's with Amber. They both have college letters and they're like, you will go first, you go first. So then she's like the same time. So he, they rip open, he reads, congratulations on being accepted to upstate new university, Ms. Bennett. He's like, wait, this is yours. Cause so she, she switched them and she's like, well, what do you want it to say? He's like, I wanted to say that we're going to college together. And she's like, I don't believe you. They start smooching, whatever. And then she's like, okay, I believe you now. So he reads his letter. I got in, I got in. More switching. So Mark walks home. Immortals hovering in the shadow. He thanks him for his help. And you know, he's he says he's working for Cecil now. Immortals like, Cecil thinks you're on your side. I'm not so sure. I'll be watching you. And then he takes off. So then there's a caution thing, you know, destroyed building. A mauler survived. He's like, I told him not to take off the dang helmet. So he's looking around the wreckage for his brother. And he's shocked because he finds like a mutated angstrom. He's like big head. And he's like, he did this to me. I'm a freak. He ruined everything. It's like, no, you took the helmet off. He's like, he killed so many people. Smaller is like, you need a hospital. He's like, no, I need revenge. I need to make him pay. I won't rest until I've killed. And then Invincible. So then he, he goes, Mahler's like, okay, fine, go. Don't mind me. He's like, just half my body melted, helping you mutilate yourself. He's like, that's the last time I worked for anyone else ever. So Angstrom took off, and so now he wants revenge against Invincible. So for the first episode, I mean, it's it's good. You know, the, the animation is great. The voice acting is good. And, you know, the, the story, we, I, it's, 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 it's all good. So it's nice to have something, you know, you, you, you know what to expect. You know the quality is going to be there. And... Um, so thank goodness see it feels like it's been so long since we had the first season so that was invincible all right now rick and morty season seven episode four that's a more tay <laughs> so this um this was a good episode it was it was kind of weird it starts off it almost felt like it's like what is going on here this doesn't seem right because it's time for rick's famous spaghetti it's like spaghetti thursday family's all excited which is totally out of character they're all you know together getting along and and morty's like you know they're chowing down on, the, on this all this pasta morty's like it gets better every time and morty he's like hey dad didn't you have a job interview he's like oh yeah i bombed it but he's like it's nothing that this whatever food won't cure and summer's like it's like oh it's a little spicy a little sweet and morty says how it's so nice that they're all talking because you know they're family and you know this is such a good time they're having then they're like is there any more and rick's like second thirds he's like we spagats as much as you can spaghet spaghetti <laughs> so he goes in the other room to get more morty comes out in the garage to, he's, he's like, oh, I got to know, what's the secret ingredients? And you see Rick scooping spaghetti out of a body, like the ribs busted open. He's just like scooping. And Morty's like, God, no, why? No. <laughs> he's like, why is it always poop with you? He's like, of course, it's a person. He's like, Rick, why couldn't it just be spaghetti? So then we see 
after the intro, Rick and Morty to go to this other planet. And Rick's like, I'm just going to say this as simple as possible and let you not believe me. On this planet, people that kill themselves turn, <laughs> turn into spaghetti. And he's like, what? And he's like, I know. He's, he's like, you said you're a visual learner, so follow me. So he asks the space card, like he has it changed him so he can go into his hospital. Rick is greeted at the front desk by this guy. Uh, it's Dr. Hot Penis. And he's like, you know, Rick, he's like, Dr. Hot Penis, you're not supposed to bring in patients. He's like, it's okay. This alien boy has space cancer and he's, his dying wishes to see dead people so he can feel superior. And they're like, that's all you had to say. So they go into the morgue. I open a drawer and he's like, check it out, murdered. And Morty's like, oh, gross. Opens another one, car crash. He's like, oh. And he's like, opens the third one's like, and suicide. He's like, Rick, I don't, wait, what's that smell? He's like, you know GD well what it is, baby. He's like, get in there. He's like, and he has like a little like pen laser and he just like cuts them up because he's cutting the bodies open each time and you can see like just their regular insides. But with the, the suicide, you can see it, there's pasta in there. <laughs> so he's like, oh, don't do that. He's like, sticks his finger in there. He's like, well, you've been doing it for weeks, every spaghetti night. He's like, come on, Morty. He's like, choo-choo, plain. Shoves his finger with the sauce into Morty's mouth. He's like, God damn. He's like, why? How? He sticks his own finger and like tastes it with a smile. So Rick's like, their cortisol increases the starch content in their bloodstream, changing their intestines into one long spaghetti noodle and the surrounding tissues into spicy, sweet hematoma that we call bolognese. Bolognese. He's like, but it takes a lot of cortisol, like a suicidal amount. And Morty's like, it's almost better cold. And Rick's like, I wouldn't go that far. He's like, don't be a hipster. So then a doctor comes in. He's like, excuse me, are you two eating a corpse? He's like, Morty's like, it's okay. It's spaghetti. And Rick's like, Morty, they don't know what that is. So the doctor's like, I'm calling the police. And he's like, before you do that, just. And he's like, Morty's like, no, no, stop. So he like zaps himself with something. He's like, what? Where are we? And Morty's like, stop using that thing. The doc's like, you're in a morgue eating a corpse. And Rick's like, what? He's like, what thing? Who are we? And Morty like grabs some sort of gun out of Rick's jacket. He's like, we're just leaving. And the doctor's like, all you had to say. In the space car, Rick's like, whose car is this? Whose sun visor is this? What's the sun? So Morty zaps Rick with the, he like seems fiddling the thing. He makes some adjustments. And Rick's like, Jesus, sorry. He's like, that's always embarrassing. But you see what I mean now? Best spaghetti in the galaxy. And it's 100% guilt-free. He, and Morty's like, I want to know their name. And he's like, who? Michael? That was the, the front desk guy. He's like, corner number one? He's like, the people we've been eating every third, every spaghetti night. He's like, do you even know their names? And Rick's like, I'm not giving you <laughs> your spaghetti's names. He's like, you found my line, Morty. I find that ghoulish. He's like, I, I want to know their names. Or I'm telling mom and no more spaghetti night. He's like, you suck. He's like, where's the thing? Where's the men in black thing? He's like, names. If you know the name of your spaghetti, that's it. This is done. That's all I ask. You won't get overwhelmed with, with even more guilt and then demand I go to their bleeping funeral. Just their names and I'm done. I promise. And then, of course, they arrive at a small church for like a funeral service. And <laughs> Rick's like, I bleep hate you. He's like, I just want to pay my respects. And Rick's like, the only reason you're still alive is because you don't turn delicious when you die. So the pastor's at the front, and he wants to open up to the congregation. There's like maybe only like a dozen people there. He's like, would anyone like to say a few words about Lawrence? And there's like nothing. He's like, or maybe another moment of silence. 
And Rick's like, geez, no wonder he killed himself. He's like, okay, let's go. Oh, for Morty's gone. He's up at the front now talking to the congregation. Um, hi. Uh, I, I just wanted to be honest about something. After Lawrence died, we uh, ate him? And people are like, oh, talking. He's like, wait, we're not werewolves or anything. We, we come from a planet where to us, when you kill yourselves, you turn into what my planet considers food. Spaghetti. It brought us together. And is this, there's a guy like recording Morty on his phone. He's like, Lawrence brought us together. It just felt wrong not having anyone know that. But he was delicious. I, I hope that makes it right. And Rick's like, that should do it, buddy. Okay, everybody, enjoy your closure. So the family sits in the dining room table. There's no food. And Summer's like, so we were eating people? And Morty's like, I'm afraid so. And Jerry's like, they were so spaghetti-esque. And Rick's like, yes, they were. And Beth's like, it's going to be hard to... He's like, hard, put put it out of your mind, yes. He's like, which is why I thought it best to keep you all in the dark. And then Summer's like, so Morty ruined spaghetti night. And he's like, correct. And Morty's like, Summer, it was people. Beth's like, it was... <laughs> Beth's like, it was people, Summer, which is disgusting and not cool to lie about. And Jerry's like, correct, but it should also be noted to Morty that it's not cool to tattle. <laughs> and they're like, Dad. And he's like, they were delicious, so keep eating them. He's like, we can't now. And Beth's like, because of you, sorry, that was terrible parenting. You did the quote-unquote right thing. We are technically very happy to be better informed. Morty's like, well, I guess I'll go to my room since everybody hates me now. And there's like a pause. And then Jerry's like, oh, sorry. He's like, good night, Morty. And Beth, everyone else is like, yeah, good night, Morty. So in his room, he's, he's like watching videos on, on his laptop. There's this lady saying, hey, big boy, are you depressed? Mama likes depression. <laughs> there's a knock on his window. The spaceship's like, hello, Morty Smith. You are invited to 41 Kepler B. You know it as Spaghetti Planet. You are not in trouble. We just want to talk. But I'd be like, really? So he's brought to the president of the planet. And she says that she saw the video of him at the funeral. And, you know, he apologizes. But, you know, she, she says it was uh, quite the revelation. So this dude hands him a little fork and asks him to show him. And... They're like, this is the uh, spaghetti of a person who took their own life. And he's like, they did consent to be eaten. He's like, uh, okay. He takes a big fork full and slurps it down. This other guy, like one of the secret agent guys or whatever, he like almost throws up. And he's like, wow, yeah, uh, amazing as always. The first dude's like, take some notes. The president's like, and would you consider yourself a typical Earthian? He says that they all basically like spaghetti. And she's like, all 8 billion of you? And you're like, you know, Morty, how would you feel about being a kind of ambassador? And they're like, oh, no, a liaison between our worlds. He's like, hold on. I went to that funeral because... And they're like, you felt bad. You didn't have permission. Show him. So this video plays. There's this old lady in the hospital bed. My name is Tanya Radcliffe. I've been living in pain for years. I lost all my loved ones. I've got nothing. So when the doctors told me I could finally have the right to die if I agreed to be dinner for some alien boy, I simply said, I hope I'm delicious. So the dude asks, he's like, would you say that makes it taste better? And he's like, it makes it go down a lot easier. And then I was like, oh, I like that. And he's like, maybe it's time we allow some people the right to die and be delicious. And they're like, please, please feel free to finish Tanya. It's what she wanted. He's like, no, 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 I think I'm good. He's like, Tanya, you were really tasty. He starts walking out and he's like, actually, can I take her to go? So then it's like, who's ready for more ethical spaghetti? And Jerry says that he was fine before. And Summer says... Please, please pass the Parmesan. So that was like a callback to, was it like two seasons ago where they went on a different earth where they pronounced Parmesan differently? 
So Beth's like, where's dad? And, you know, why does he keep missing spaghetti night? And they're like, I guess he got butt hurt because Morty high roaded him and got us the delicious spaghetti without all the lies and nihilism. And Jerry's like, and another cheer for the added bonus of no Rick. And then it's like, boom, <laughs> Rick walks in. He's like, sorry to interrupt Morty's perfect spaghetti night, but I thought he'd want to see this. And he, he looks at, at the can and he's like slammed the can down. And he's like, what the bleep is that? And so it's like Morty owes suicide spaghetti, 100% ethical, single origin pasta. He's like, oh, dear God. And Rick's like, let me guess. You went back to the planet, gave some thoughtful insight to their leader, and now they're selling their debt at every space Walmart. He's like, I, I, I didn't say to do this. And Rick's like, he pushes a button at the top of the can. He's like, this seems to be Roger. So there's like a hologram of some dude. He's like, I'm Roger. I was a serial killer and cannibal. Now I get to kill myself and be food for you, which I suppose is a silver lining to all my misdeeds. Anyways, please enjoy me. Jerry's like, He's like, so yes to people? And Morty says, like, uh, well, you can look at this as a little epilogue to telling the truth. And Rick's like, uh-huh, care to see that epilogue? So they're in a space car. There's this long line of spaceships going to the spaghetti planet. And Rick's like, Kansas spaghetti selling to every neighboring planet. He's like, want to see how ethical it is down there? So then Morty's like, this is spaghetti planet? It's like, what happened? He's like, you happened. So the streets are trash. There's like homeless sitting around, like drinking or digging through trash cans. It's like, you happened all over the, those billboards. It's like, see that? They call that bridge the most scenic jump. And the, it's like, there used to be safety rails. They melted them down to the giant spaghetti strainers. He's like, you want to turn on the radio? He's like, I get it. It's all Enya. He's like, nope. All morning zoo teams. Just patter. No songs. And he's like, oh, for TV, wall-to-wall -wall reality television, but not the good kind. It's like the whole planet was bought by Discovery, <laughs> which is a dig because uh, Discovery bought eight Warner Brothers, which is part of its owns Rick and Morty, right? And so <laughs> Morty's like, Jesus, this is depressing. And he's like, that's definitely what they're going for. Look at this poop. He's like, they dyed their son institutional gray. He's like, that's not easy. Kind of impressed. He's like, all this thanks to. And then they fly up to this Morty O suicide spaghetti factory. He's like, God, I'm a murderer. He's like, oh, no, Morty. What you did was much more indirect. So they talked to the president. And she's like, I understand your concerns, but look around. With what's coming in from intergalactic spaghetti trade, it's like, we've decreased our debt, are making a lot of money. We've got clean energy. And Morty's like, that space where you pause is where you should have said mental health care. And she's like, all right, we had to put our fingers on the scale a little. But if we stop this, the supply chain crumbles and kills a global economy. How many people would suffer then? He's like, okay, tough problem. Definitely a spicy meatball. But we can fix it, right, Rick? He's like, you mean me. You want me to fix it. And he's like, uh, a moment. He pulls Rick aside. He's like, yes, I want you to fix this. None of this would would have happened if you'd been honest about the spaghetti. And he's like, Morty, I lied to protect you. You told the truth to hurt me. I can't travel a galaxy with you if every time we come near a bleep system, you leap into its wires and electrocute yourself. He's like, I promise to stop. He's like, you what? If you help me, I promise I'll never look under the curtain at a Rick thing to try to figure out what's bad about it ever again. He's like, and you can never say no to me. He's like, what are you, Keith Rainier? And he's like, for two weeks. And then he's like, fine. So it's a present. He's like, my grandson kissed my ass, so I'm in. He's like, okay, we just need to figure out something else besides people to put in the cans, right? And President's like, but people are the spaghetti. That's the whole thing. And Morty's like, but what if they weren't? And she's like, I'm listening. And Rick's like, me too. He, and Morty's like, I mean, what if we were making like a something like a, a person like Rick? You're always doing clones, right? 
And he's like, what are you suggesting here? A sped up lifespan and indoctrination program, limiting their exposure to the world and convincing that becoming spaghetti is their destiny, which isn't that basically like Clone Wars in, in Star Wars? So three days later, alarms are blaring, dogs are barking. There's a, you see a couple clones escaping in the woods. The lady's like, I won't be delicious for them. And the other the dude's like, I love you, clone 5617B. And then they pull out guns, they shoot each other in the head. <laughs> so they, they didn't kill themselves, they killed each other. It's Chopper lands, Rick comes out, and he's like, oh, that was some speed run of never let me go, huh? And, which I I don't know what, I haven't seen the never let me go. And Moore's like, spoiler. Rick, he's like, eh, I guess all clone stories turn out the same way. So the president said, like, yeah, we're back to regular people, regular suicides. And Morty's like, no, 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 hold on, hold on. He's like, we can do this. We can make them less uh, people. He's like, how much of a person do they have to be to become spaghetti? And and he's like, oh, gray areas, my specialty. So they they're in a lab. They look in some like rooms or whatever, different you know whatever things. And so he's like the sort of person who has no frontal lobe, no empathy centers, otherwise the same phys- physiology of a person. And Rick's like, unfortunately to this guy, there's no difference between life and death, so no spaghetti. So basically they don't, they're not going to kill themselves. He's like, then there's this one. It's in horrible, unimaginable pain from the moment it's born. So he's, you know, they're looking outside the closed window. And Morty's like, oh, geez, oh, Rick. And he's like, so I didn't even bother to make it because I knew you'd take issue, even though you'd be doing it a favor by ending its life. So then they go to the last one. He's like, here's the last one. Kept the brainstem, internal motor functions, but essentially just a headless, boneless torso. And Moore's like, there's spaghetti inside? And he's like, theoretically, yes. The problem is, you know. And he like kind of does like a throat cutting gesture. And Moore's like, could, could you, um, like, and you like <laughs> raise the fist and moves it back and forth, like towards his head. He's like, what is this, charades? He's like, okay, okay. What are you making a fist? What, what, what's that supposed to be, a phone? Uh, he's like, bleep it. He's like, just spell it out for me. So he's like, oh, maybe you could give them a claw like hand so they can, you know, stab themselves to death. He's like, all you had to say. <laughs> Everyone keeps saying that. So later with the president, and she's like, well, this is some solution you guys have cooked up. So they're overlooking like this factory where the headless torsos with like a one clawed arm are like on a conveyor belt. And they get like picked up like under where their arm should be. And then they get this like sharp object and then they just like jab it into her head where their head would be because it's just like the stem. And then they're carried over this big strainer. Their fronts are sliced open. Spaghetti spills out and it's put into individual cans with the, on the box like says spaghetti. So he's like, technically. <laughs> so then uh, Prince like, well, good enough for me. We'll need to fill 100,000 cans by the weekend. So let's fire up these chunky boys. Then there's this explosion. And the holes are blown through the wall. There's protesters for torsos rights. You know, they, they come in. This other group on the other side, they come in yelling that the new spaghetti sucks. They want the authentic spaghetti. So then the lead alien's like, wait. Because there's like, are you going to blow yourselves up? Because they both pair to have like, you know, suicide bomb things around their waist. And then the guy's like, yeah, but you're not... But if you're going to do it, then he's like, well, you clearly have a morally superior position, so please go ahead. The other guy's like, you just want us to kill kill myself so you can eat the spaghetti, right? They start arguing and both blow themselves up. So the president, Rick and Morty, they get like knocked back in like the office area they're in. So they cough, like they get up, they see the factory is pretty much trash. And the president asks, she's like, how long does society take to collapse? And Rick's like, let's find out. So out in space, aliens are honking and their cars are running. Like, what's the holdup? And like one, it's like, I've got an entire planet waiting delivery. And the other one's like, they say they're out of spaghetti. Then the one person, the one alien's like, then let's go down and make some. 
So there's like fire in the streets. Aliens are following humans around. They're like, kill yourself, kill yourself, kill yourself. And he's like chasing them around. So the president's on the phone trying to arrange a way to restore civil order. Morty says they, they still didn't hear much uh, diverting towards mental health care. And she's like, the brainstorming's over, you ghoulish little corpse-eating alien. You've helped enough. And she's like, bleep. He's like, we owe so much spaghetti to so many planets, we're going to have to kill ourselves. And then he's like, slow, slow down, slow down. Rick can synthesize anything he gets a sample of. Can we, can we try that? And he's like, I mean, is there anyone else left who might want to kill themselves? And she's like, there's one, but good luck. So Rick and Morty go to this house, and he's like, two months to live, bedridden, terrible pain. And, and Morty's like, whoa. It's like, why hasn't he just done it yet? So inside, there's a guy in the bed. He like spits on Morty. He's like, bleep you, you spaghetti child. And he's like, what gives? He's like, I'm in pain and wish I could die, but I won't feed your sick system for profit. Integrity means living with pain. And Rick's like, what if I told you this would end the spaghetti trait forever? So they take him to some like bunker in, in the woods and Morty's like, you had a euthanasia chamber ready to go? He's like, it's just a place. So you see like chaos in the street, people running, there's armed soldiers, people on their knees. And there's, you know, it's, then all this, these screens light up with like Rick. He's like, hey, hey, he's like, everyone stop. Hey, he's like, I have a solution to get all of you spaghetti. He's like, we're going to do this one last time. This guy here, he's going to do the deed and I'll synthesize it. Now, Fred, just think about your life. This machine will put on a screen for everyone to see. He walks out of the room into like this viewing area and Morty's, he's like, is this going to work? He's like, trust me. So first we see like a memory, a view from the crib, looking up at his parents. Then he's playing kind of like building with like tinker toys and stuff like that. And, and then uh, there's a picnic. He's eating out of a jar of jelly. This is like a common thing. Then he's drawing buildings in class. Gets yelled at by his teacher because he's not doing homework. He's just drawing buildings. Then we see him like combing his hair at his locker. He meets up with this girl. And then they, they go to his bedroom and he like shows her like some building models that he's he's built graduation time they're like about to get their diplomas on stage the girls in front of him like holding his hands then the girl's crying in the driveway because you know he closes the car door he's going off to college he has a picture of her in his suitcase then there's like some intense classes he calls a girl her name's amber like on a video phone gets his report card he gets an f in architecture then we see him drinking beer in like an apartment watching tv with a couple other guys like one guy's passed out on the floor then he's at a bar and then he starts kissing like some like goth type girl. He wakes up next to her and like looks in the mirror, calls Amber again. He likes, he, you know, we, we just see memories. He says something. She starts crying, drives back home, knocks on Amber's door. She slams the door on him because he basically cheated on her. Goes back to his parents' house. Then, then later we see him at his parents' grave. He opens an old trunk in the attic, finds his first drawing of the city buildings. And uh, he starts building with his construct toys gets frustrated switches he starts making this other material and he makes fred blocks which is kind of like lego then it looks like he's on like probably some sort of like shark tank toy and then there's this big fred block store then he's starts he's at a computer scrolling through friend book finds amber goes out for a drink with her and you can see she has a wedding ring and then she shows him a picture on her fo phone with a husband and two kids then we see them taking shots and then they're like out in the rain you know taxi drives away and then they start kissing then they tell the news her husband and then then the two of them are together in this big fancy living room she comes in with divorce papers they toast a drink then amber's like older, she's sitting on a porch eating jelly out of the jar like he does. And then it cuts to Amber's grave. He lays out a blanket, eats more jelly. And in the chamber, he flatlines. So Rick and Morty come in. And Rick 
hands Morty a fork and knife, cracks open the ribs, scoops some pasta meatballs in a bowl for Morty, and he looks kind of horrified because he just saw that this dude's life and everything like that, and then Morty throws up. So then people watching, they start throwing up too. And then like the aliens watching, they start throwing up. So the president's like, well, bleep. And then the aliens, she's with, throws up in her office. And he's like, I think I can speak on behalf of my people. We've had enough spaghetti. So Morty's like, like you, you did it. He's like, you, you, you couldn't change everyone's taste buds, but you could make it distasteful. He's like, it was the death, wasn't it? And he's like, it was the complexity of life. And he's like, God, what's the point? He's like, you're asking whether to point at a story about right or wrong. And the answer is, I don't care. He's like, well, what do we do? He's like, cells consume. Life itself is wrong. That means death is right. But you can't side with that. So you live. And even if it means eating. And Fred here did it really well. So at the dinner table, Morty sets plates. Then they get like frozen dinners. And Summer's like, the hell is this? Where's the spaghetti? And Morty's like, why don't you go bleep yourself, Summer? And she's like, what? And Rick's like, what's wrong with some Salisbury steaks? At least try them. So Beth, she eats. She's like, holy spit, this is the best Salisbury steak I've ever had. And Jerry's like, mmm. And Summer's like, this is actually Salisbury steak. And Rick's like, do you want to know or not? And they are all together like, no, no thanks. And he's like, just so you know, it's really bad. And they're like, whatever you say, Rick. And he's like, seriously, I'm not kidding. He's like, I won't tell you, but I need you to know that the truth is horrible so that if you ever find out on accident, you can't blame me. And Summer's like, that's a deal or whatever. He's like, seriously, you might kill yourselves. <laughs> that's the last thing I'll say on it. They're like, good. And they all start laughing. And that's the end. So they're eating Salisbury steak, which has questionable origins. Then it cuts to, you see this body. In, this is the, the end credit scene. Uh, there's a body in the euthanasia chamber. Almost looks like kind of like Groot, like some sort of alien thing. And then there's a sentient vacuum rolls in with eyes. And then, like, the video's still running. There's, like, other vacuums in the city streets. The president vacuums watching from, like, the Oval Office. The the alien thing flatlines. Vacuum jabs a knife into thing's chest. And it's, like, glowing green inside. And then the vacuum pulls out a vacuum bag. And the president stands up, like, that's where vacuum cleaner bags come from? And in the city, you know, there's a bunch of vacuums watching. They're like, oh, my God. And one kind of throws up by, like, kind of expelling the contents of its its bag and in other vacuums do the same thing and in the president vacuum and the aides they do the same thing and that's where it ends so not the not the, the best ending but it was just it was it was, was kind of weird but that was uh rick and morty all right now uh, i'm just going to talk super briefly about the the rest of bodies so i did manage to watch episodes four through eight and uh, I, I don't do not want to spoil this because I feel like you really need to watch this if you haven't already. So it's on Netflix. It's eight episodes. It's based off a, a comic that was originally um, posted on or post, it was published by Vertigo, and I somehow totally missed it. And they re-released it. I was like, I think Halloween Day, and it's on Black Label now. So I, I got a copy, and I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I'm, I'm definitely going to. And uh, so what the deal is, what's going on in the show, if you didn't listen last week, there's basically three different time periods. And there's like they, these inspectors, whatever, find like a dead body has like, you know, shot through the eye. And there's like this like weird marking tattoo thing on its wrist. The what makes it weird is it's the same body in all these different time periods. So, you know, you see the different st- like stories play out and then you start to get more and more 
um, information, like see how it's kind of connected, like how, you know, how could this body be there? See, so, you now this is where I'm like hesitant, like how much do I want to say in that? But you start to see how it all starts fitting into the bigger picture. Because, you know, at one point, you, you we know it has something to do with the dude in the future. Because uh, in the future, the 2050, whatever, we see that the, the, the dead body is still alive. So we know there has to be something with this dude, even though there was a body found in that time period as well. So it, it just it kind of goes from there. And then some of the other players, like in the past time, you kind of see like how do they fit in with this bigger picture? Because a, a lot of um, with, with these people, you know, they, there's this line like, know you are loved. And it has something to do with this one, one dude, Mannix. And he's like a kid in the 2023 time period. So there's something to do with him how he does something in the future and somehow this goes back to the past. And again, I don't want to get into specifics of it, but we also see how other people close to like the inspectors or detective, whatever, how they, they get like pulled into this story or this, you know, how there's a connection to everything. And it's, it's, um, it's pretty well done, I would say. So I'm really curious how, this would will compare to the comics uh, you know did they they change anything or not because you know there's a couple things that it was kind of weird and when you get to the the last episode because basically what it comes down to is it's like uh, so i i will say obviously you know there's gonna be some time travel involved you know how can this body from the future be in like the 1890s or whatever and it, it's you know there because this is happening there there's there's like this loop basically that that causes it you know something from the future has to go into the past and it has to keep happening and that that's affecting other things and other people that, that brings the people to where they are like in a present and in the future and again i'm t absolutely totally tiptoeing around to not uh, reveal like key things but you know so you have this this kind of like loop that just keeps repeating so like for me, the interesting thing is, is like, can this loop be broken? Because once people figure out that this loop exists, because they do kind of become aware of this, you know, the whole thing is, can, can that, can you break the loop? Is it possible? Because it, it's already happened. So this is where you, for me, what's, what's interesting is, you know, whenever you have time travel movies or shows or books or whatever, it's like, you know, which, what philosophy, you know, what, what approach are they taking to time travel? Can time travel can you actually time travel? And, you know, I always admired Marvel for what they did is, you know, they always said that you can't time travel. You can't go into your past because once you go into past, you're creating an alternate reality, you know, an alternate timeline because, you know, that didn't happen and you, you can't go back. It's like when the thing, when the Fantastic Four went in the past and Ben Grimm becomes Blackbeard, he, you know, he's like, oh, I, you know, I'm the legend, whatever. And they're like, uh, no, Ben, you, you created this alternate timeline where you were Blackbeard, but that's not our reality type of thing and in here you know they're, they're not really going with that approach because you know they're, they're kind of treating like there's only one reality so it's like how can you go back and you know can, how can you can't change something if it's already happened because it, it is happened and certain major things really depend on things happening because if things if that doesn't happen then it, other things can't can't have happened or the things can't have existed so that probably doesn't really make a whole lot of sense but it's a, it's it's really interesting how how they approach the different things, and also, 
with the, the different time periods and you know you don't re- i didn't really notice it in the beginning but like even the way things are filmed because you know a lot of times you see this like the same street but it's in the different eras and they, they even kind of film it differently well as i'm watching this i'm like I'm like wow so you know they, they have to they basically have to have like three different sets technically four because you know there's four different time periods so you you know do you have like four different crews the same crew because you know you have different sets of actors so you know do you have the same camera guy same lighting and whatever or do you have different crews are you know are you filming on sets are you filming concurrently you know how is this all, all done and then there's one point where it for reasons uh the the like the lighting or the cinematography however whatever the filter is like different in this one period than it was before because time travel and it's it's just is really 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 cool and this is a uh one of those rare things where you know it, i know i don't know how well how successful it was but it was like in the the top viewed you know things when you you know log into netflix it's you know the top 10 viewed and whatever united states or and stuff like that so i'm sure it did really well the problem is it it, it doesn't really lend itself to I mean, could you con- you could probably continue, but it's almost like there's no point because you know there's a conclusion to the story, and you know things are are whatever established and, and all that. But this is something where it, it kind of goes against that that thinking where you know people don't want to see Aquaman two because you know the, the DC universe is getting rebooted. But it's like not everything you know. This is, I've, I've talked about this. Not everything has to have a sequel. So here you have this series. You know, it's listed as a mini series, and. Once you get to end of episode eight, story's over. You know, if there's a beginning, there's an end. Not everything has to be this this constant, you know, continue like what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next, which is what we're so used to. And you know, maybe that is because of, like all the Marvel movies and everything being connected. So we want to know how is this going to affect this and, and so forth. So I really like the fact that this is just like a one off. That you know, you have this this beginning and end to the story, and and that's it. You know, we don't need to see something else even though it was so well done and it's like you would you want to you know this world to continue but it's like it wouldn't make sense for it to continue so i I think they did a really good job with that and uh uh, you should check it out so that's on netflix body like i said eight episodes and is when i mentioned last week i was like this is good you know things could have been you know whatever it, it does like really start amping up with like the fourth fifth episode and then you start seeing it's like what what is happening so they, they did a really good job okay then there was loki so this is a season finale season two episode six glorious purpose and you know the main question obviously you know a lot of people would be wondering is like could there be a season three we'll talk about that at the end so it starts off there's like flashes of lights and colors outside like control room, you know, by the time loom, then it goes uh, back to before Victor went out, he goes down the stairs and he's like, time to be brave. And then Loki kind of jumps in his body and, and he's like, I'm, I'm back. And Moby's like, you okay? He's like, yeah, we got to get timely out of there. So we see Victor in a suit, the others repeat their lines. And then Loki stands up front. He's looking out the window. He's like, be brave. So timely has the, the big device. The doors open. He runs. He turns into like spaghetti again. And Casey Westbury's like, like, what happened? And Sylvie's like, he's gone. And Moby's like, okay, he's like, what do we do? And Obi's like, temporal radiation is just too high. So Loki goes up to Obi and asks him, like, what could we have done differently? And he's like, good question. He's like, we, we took too long. And Loki thinks, he, you know, to himself, he's like, again, faster. And then, that, that, I think it's like a call of fifth of Beethoven, the kind of Beethoven, whatever music, it kind of rock pop hip hop whatever 
So then he's back at the stairs. He interrupts Obi to give the instruction faster. So, so he's like, when those doors open, get down to the gang, the gangway as fast as you can. Load the multiplier, hit the green button, launch it, and get back, okay? And Obi's like, that's exactly right. And Loki's like, let's keep moving. Okay, fast. let's go faster this time. Loki goes downstairs with him. Moby's like, this time. And in timely takes a few steps, turns into spaghetti again. Goes back to the top of stairs. And Obi's like, no time to argue. Listen. And then Loki gets in. He's like, get in, get suited up, get down the gangway as fast as you can. Load the multiplier, hit the green button, launch it, and get back, okay? Let's keep moving. Go a little faster this time. And again, this time, goes out the door, spaghetti again. And Loki's like, again. He's like, not faster, earlier. Then Loki barges into the, like, the war room, the, the big conference room where Renslayer, uh, Victor, I think Victor was there, Brad and, and Ms. Minutes are, are there. And Loki's like, Miss Minutes, I know right now you're hurt and you're angry, but we need your help in finishing the throughput multiplier faster. And they're all kind of confused looking at him. Timely is brought over. Loki watches, uh, disappointed because it happened again. Spaghetti. We see Loki and Sylvie bringing Victor into the control room. And he's like, I wasted time. And now the time wastes me. And then at the bottom of the stairs, he's like, don't set the, the multiplier down. Walks up the stairs and he's like, again. Then he's yells, you see him, he's like, come on at the bottom of the stairs. Again, spaghetti, again, spaghetti, again. He's like, one step, two step, spaghetti, <laughs> again. So then Loki comes in with Victor. This is like when he, they first meet. He's like, introduction. He's like, Ouroboros, this is Victor Timely. Victor Timely, this is Ouroboros. Guess what? The TVA handbook, you both wrote it. Isn't that amazing? And he claps his hands. And Sylvie's like, why are you being so weird? He pulls a cover off the model, you know, just covering the thing. Here's a model of the loom, which Obi so helpfully mocked up. And Obi says like, oh, you know, it's not finished, okay? And Loki's like, what are you talking about? It's absolutely perfect. He's like, now listen up. We have to get Timely suited up and to the loom. And he's like, why me? And Loki's like, because you volunteered. You did. You will. Something could go wrong. And you know how to mul the multiplier works. And he shows him a little figure. He's like, Mobius, you're in luck. He's like, it looks like Mobius, but it's actually Victor Timely. He's like, Victor, in this suit, when the doors open, get down the gangway as fast as you can. It's going to take some doing. It's, it's not going to be easy. A lot of temporal radiation. Everyone following? Good. Victor, load the multiplier into the launcher. Spin it. Hit the green button, which will launch it where it'll dock with the loom and scale its capacity to manage the backlog of branches. And Obi's like, the multiplier isn't ready yet. And Loki's like, it is. And he reaches into Timely's satchel because Timely has a prototype, which will, and, and he gets like, he grabs for it because it's so you know fragile or whatever. He, and Loki's like, which will widen the temporal input and invert the temporal del decay. This device plus the throughput multiplier will make the rings bigger. And Obi's like, it'll take time to adapt my throughput multiplier. And Loki's like, how long? Uh, he's like, uh, it depends. I don't even know what I'm looking for. And he's like, Obi, how long will it take me to know everything that you know about mechanics, physics, and engineering? And he's like, how much do you know? And Loki's like, let's assume I don't know much, but I'm a fast learner and I'm a god. Casey's like, uh, let's start at the beginning. And Obi uh, says that they don't have time for this. He's like, it's better if they work alone. And Loki's like, Obi, I understand. But if I had to know, I mean, if I really, really had to know, how long would it take? And he's like, decade. And Timely's like, centuries. Then centuries later, <laughs> they enter the control room. Casey says, as you know, Loki's carrying the multiplier, he's like, Loki, I'm not questioning your surprisingly advanced engineering skills, but maybe Obi should be testing that thing first. And Obi's like, testing protocol is key to the safe scientific advancement. And Loki's like, it's perfect, Timely. 
need you this way. We have to scan your temporal or in this fine machine. And he's like, is, is that lethal? He's like, it's fine. Watch. Sticks his head in. Access denied. He's like, your turn. He's like, I'll take those. Takes his glasses. And then the voice is like, welcome, he who remains. Obi looks out the window. There's like a, a flyer out there. He's like, oh, it's happening faster than I thought. He's like, so he's like, who's it going to be? And look, he's like, it's him. It's you. You volunteer. And then he tells him the instructions. He's like, whatever you do, do not set the multiplier down or it will roll off the gangway. Okay? So that must have been what happened before. He's like, don't forget. Timely goes down. Loki gives Obi and Casey more instructions. But Obi says, you know, better watch out, Obi. Someone, Loki says with him, is coming for your job. So, so he must have done this before. Then he tells Casey to get the multiplier down to Timely as fast as he can. Mobius is like, he's like, what the poop are you doing? And Loki's like, trust me. And he's like, no. He's like, I know what I'm doing. He's like, no. And Loki's like, watch. Casey goes down and he's like, Casey, make sure the helmet is latched. And it wasn't unlatched, so he latches it. Comes back and says, Mr. Timely's ready. He's like, I know. Types some stuff to the keyboard. There's like access denied, enter password, enters a password in. And and Timely's, he, he's like, he's like, hang on, this all seems a bit rushed. And look, he's like, only to you, trust me. If you stop, you die. Doors open, he goes out, gets hit by the shockwaves, but he keeps going. He struggles with each step. Loki reminds him of instructions, and he's like, one step at a time. He's like, you're being brave, so brave. Finally reaches the end, he reminds him, he's like, don't set the multiplier down. He's like, now, load it into the launcher. He sticks it in, spins it. He's like, listen to me, carefully, hit the green button. He pushes it, but it's like, nothing happens. So he has to do it like a second time. It launches. He's like, now come back, quick, come on, go, go, go. He makes it back, door closes, they collapse. Obi looks out, he's like, it's working. And Loki's like, finally. And then uh, Victor comes, he's like, did it work, wizard? And he's like, oh yes, it worked. It's working right now. He shows them out the window. He's like, it worked, you did it. And Obi's like, wait, these readings are off. And Loki's like, what do you mean off? He's like, I don't know. They're just off. And Loki's like, they can't be. How can the readings be off? He's like, the loom is overloading again. So he checks the readings. And Loki's like, that's not possible. We've increased the throughput. He's like, the, the multiplier was perfect. And Obi's like, we did increase the throughput, but there are just too many branches. There's like rumbling outside. B-15's like, we need to get out of here. And then Victor's like, wait, the branches are duplicating and expanding at an infinite rate. And Loki's like, I don't understand. He kind of chuckles sheepishly. It's like, it's a scaling problem. And Obi's like, but that's what we were adjusting for. And Victor's like, the loom will never be able to accommodate for an infinitely growing multiverse. And this seems to make like total sense to Loki. And he kind of like kicks himself for not thinking about it. So Timely continues like, you can't scale for infinite. It's like trying to divide by zero. It can't be done. And that's something I, I teach my sixth graders. Um, so Loki's like, so no matter how much we increase the throughput, it will never be enough. And Obi's like, never enough. And Loki's like, and the loom will always fail. And a new timeline will always. And Sylvie's like, it's almost as if as soon as the timelines start branching, this was doomed to happen. More rumbling gets brighter outside. And Victor's like, I'm sorry. So Loki's standing with his back to the window. He looks around. He looks at Sylvie. Flashback to her swinging the blade down at he who remains. So then Loki jumps in right as the swords, like uh, it's it, like stops at his neck. He's like, stop. And, and and he's like, stop. He moves his arm slowly to her shoulder. He's like, stop. He's like, I've been where you are. I felt what you feel. You don't want this. And he, he kind of like moves her back and she like looks around and she's like, what's happening? And Loki's like, you're right. What were you thinking? Trusting me. I can't be trusted. You have to believe me. You cannot kill him. You must not follow through. It all ends if you do. 
He's like, I know this sounds strange. I've seen it. I know it. And she's like, get out of my way. He's like, I won't. And she's like, you've been seduced by a throne. And Loki's like, the last thing I want is a throne. And he's like, stop. And she's like, if you want to stop me, you'll have to kill me. So they start fighting. She tries like another swing at he who remains. Loki like you know, keeps fighting. She blasts Loki back and turns to he who remains. And he like giggles. And he's like, see you soon. So Loki goes back trying to stop her several times. And then he like jumps further when they first ride up the elevator with he who remains. And he's like, just a man, flesh and blood. And Loki gets, you know, he's got a sword in his hand. He's like, drops it. Then he who remains turns. Sylvie like thrusts her blade out. Loki grabs her arm. He's like, hear me out. Then she says again, if you want to stop me, you'll have to kill me. More fighting. He can't kill her. He continues another time. Then he turns to he who remains. He's like, why don't you ever try to stop her? Fight back. He does something. I don't know if he grabs like a time thing off his wrist. He like swipes it and Sylvie stops moving like mid-swing. And he's like, so how many times have you been at this? And Loki's like, what did you do? And he who remains like, oh, come on. You're not telling me you haven't learned how to pause time yet. <laughs> he's like, I figured you'd be way past that. And Loki looks at Sylvie. He's like, don't worry, lover boy. She's okay. But she's in the eye line a little bit. Why don't we just, he moves his finger and she's like gone. It's like, so this, this isn't the first time we've had this conversation, is it? And Loki's like, how did you know? He's like, I know about the slipping. And who do you think paved the road? Any guesses? Survey says. And Loki's like, he who remains. Bingo. Here you were, slipping through time, thinking you were sticking it to the system. Gonna beat the man and then whoop, here he is. He's like, kiddo, did you really think I was just gonna sit back and let her kill me and that'd be it? Zip, nada, R-I-P, H-W-R. At first I was like, H-W-R, he who remains. And he like laughs. He's like, no, I told you, reincarnation, baby. And Loki's like, we die with the dying, we're born with the dead. And he who remains like, uh-huh. He's like, okay, so this is a lot for you. I get it. So why don't you just go through this a couple thousand more times, get your bearings, and then you just you just let me know, okay, when you're ready to have a conversation, okay? Fiddles is resting, and Sylvie returns to complete her swing, but she's like facing the wrong way, and she like almost loses her balance. Then she looks around, Loki raises his hand, and it kind of like, like does a little gesture, and his like fingers you know points up, and then Sylvie stops, and Loki's like, what makes you think? This is the first time we've had this conversation. So he remains, kind of licks his finger, brings it down like a tally mark. He's like, Tss. and he smiles. He's like, well done. You're my favorite. Well, there were two of you here. You were my favorite. He sends Sylvie away as Loki like grabs a chair. He's like, okay, so seems you figured it all out. Hmm? It's like, tell me, how is Victor timely? And Loki's like, of course you know about your. And he's like, wait, don't tell me. You're having some some problems with the temporal loom. And Loki's like, scaling problem. He's like, scaling problem? He's like, that's what he told you? He's like, Vic Victor told you it was a scaling problem? Wow. He's like, no, 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 there's no, there's no problem. And Loki's like, it destroyed the TVA. And he remains like, the temporal loom is a failsafe. When the loom is overloaded with branches, it deletes the ones that aren't supposed to be there. Everything except the sacred timeline. And the TVA, that's just collateral damage. He's like, look, no biggie, easy to rebuild. And Loki kind of laughs. He's like, what a waste of time. He remains like, and as you may or may not know, my variants are already out there. Loki's like, we'll find them. And he remains like, there's too many. Loki says, I won't stop. Doesn't matter. And Loki's like, never stopped me before. 
And then he, uh, he remains smiles. He's like, I know champ. He's like, but the outcome of this equation remains, remains the same. You lose. And look, he's like, I know, I know. He gets up and he remains like, shake it off. And then look, he's like, I'll change the equation. I'll break your loom. And he remains like, um, but the loom prevents a brutal war where nothing survives, Loki. He's like, not even a sacred timeline. He's like, okay, let's try this way. Every moment of peace you've ever experienced was yours because I was here alone at the end of the time, keeping watch. And Loki's like, I understand. And then he remains like, but you want to break the loom? What do you think would happen to your friends? I make the tough choices. That's why I get the big chair. I keep us safe. Can't you see what I'm offering here is mercy. And Loki's like, for me or for you? He's like, no, I'll find another way. And he remains like, okay. So he brings Sylvie back and then, um, and around and around and around we go. He's like, let's see, you know, make the hard choice, break the loom and you cause a war that kills us all game over or kill her. And we protect what we can. And then he like walks up to her and it cuts to Mobius asking, what are you going to do? So this is back when Loki was first brought in. He's got the, the collar thing around his neck. He's like in a prison, like jumpsuit, whatever. And Loki's like, finish what I started. And Mobius like, which is claim my throne. And Moby's like, you want to be king? I don't want to be. I was born to be. And Moby's like, I know, but king of what exactly? Loki jumps uh, like into the timeline there, and he tells Mobius to stop. And he's like, we just started. And Loki's like, he's like, he says he, he knows what this is. He's like, you want to know what makes Loki tick? You want to know why I do what I do? Why I have so much range? And he's like, yeah. You're going to make notes. And then you're going to click that button on that machine. Then you're going to play out scenes for my whole life. How it's all meant to be. Past, present, future. Burdened with glorious purpose. My life is a waste of time. And Moby's like, okay, looks like someone got a hold of the set list. How are you doing this? And Loki's like, Mobius, I need your help. And he's like, well, I'm listening. Loki's like, how do you choose who lives and who dies? And he's like, prune. We prune around here. We don't choose the, the timekeepers, but they have the responsibility. And he's like, yeah, they bring, you know, untangling or un, un, untangling the epilogue from its infinite branches. Like, I know the dogma, but really, you're the one doing it. And he's like, because it was a proper flow of time. And Loki's like, what comfort is that? And Moby's like, comfort? Well, there's no comfort. You're not going to find comfort at the TVA. You want to hear a good story? It's like, listen to this one. A couple of hunters went out on a mission somewhere near the Black Sea to find a variant who's going to be responsible for 5,000 deaths. 5,000 deaths that were not in the proper flow of time. They get there, and there's a little hiccup. The variant is an eight-year-old boy. He was just minding his own business. One of the hunters who never had trouble pruning before, never hesitated. But on that day, he did. He paused. Timeline started to branch. More variants appeared. Happened so fast, his partner had to step in and prune the kid. But by then... Cat was out of the bag. A couple hunters died, all because that one hunter, he lost sight of the big picture. He said, gotta keep the big picture in mind. And Loki's like, hmm. And Moby's like, most purpose is more burden than glory. He's like, trust me, you never want to be the guy who avoids it because you can't live with the burden. And Loki's like, and how do you live with it? And Moby's like, scar tissue? And Loki's like, what happened to your partner, the hunter who pruned the boy when you couldn't? Oh, things worked out fine for her. She actually became a judge. You know, she's the reason you're here instead of dust in a TVA vent. And Loki whispers, Renslayer. So they were partners. 
And Moby's like, she knew the hard thing to do was the thing that had to be done. And by hard, I mean impossible. And you almost see, it's like, it almost looks like there's like a tear in Loki's eye. And he's like, no, there's no comfort. You just choose your burden. Loki nods. He's like, thank you, Mobius. He extends, extends his hand and Mobius stands and shake it. And then it's like, he gets pruned and he's gone. He dissolves and the whole room dissolves. So it's like, wait, what just happened? Then he's back to, um, Obi, when Obi was an author in the, the other timeline, his place. So Mobius uh, dissolves, you know, he runs for the door to go to his kids. Then B-15, she's like, what, what's going on? She dissolves. Sylvie's like, there's nowhere left to go. And Loki stops time. And she's like, what's happening? And Loki's like, we're outside time. And she's like, how? He's like, I finally learned to control the time slipping. I went back. I thought I could fix the loom. It's a fail safe. It was designed to protect the sacred timeline and nothing else. I'm out of options, Sylvie. I've tried everything. The only way that anything survives, and she's like, is if I never kill he who remains in the first place. So you have to kill me. And she's like, I I'm not giving you my blessing if that's what you're waiting for. So Loki's like, what do I do? It's a sacred timeline or nothing. And she's like, it's not enough to protect a sacred timeline, Loki. Even down there, it's full of death and destruction and injustice. Do you really want to be the God who takes away everyone's free will so you can protect that? And Loki's like, but what good is free will if everyone's dead? And she's like, who are you to say we can't die trying? Who are you to decide we can't die fighting? You're replacing one nightmare with another. She's like, I grew up in apocalypses, Loki. I've lived through enough of them to know that sometimes it's okay to destroy something. And Loki's like, if, if there's a hope that you can replace that thing with something better. He inhales and he disappears, room dissolves. And then Victor shakes his head. You know, or, and then Victor sticks his head in the, the device thing to unlock his temporal aura. Loki jumps into you know his his body there. He just like stands there. The window shutters open. He looks at everyone, smiles a little. He goes down the stairs, and Mobius calls to him. He's like Loki. Sylvie follows him down the stairs. He shuts the door and he turns to him. He's like, I know what I want. I know what kind of god I need to be for you, for all of us. But he doesn't have a suit on or anything, so he uses power, forces the door open, starts walking down the gangway, and they're like, Loki, Loki. They're trying to open the door. His jacket starts to dissolve, but then he like, changes into his Loki outfit, and he's got his cape. He's got his like, headpiece on. The horns start coming out and everything like that. He raises his hand. He like screams, and then he destroys the loom, and it all kind of like, goes dark. And then there's like all these like kind of black strings like everywhere. He starts, there's supposed to be the strands at a timeline, right? He touches a strand, it, it, it goes green for a bit and he lets it go. Inside Obi's like, the branches are dying. Loki grabs another, glows for a bit and he lets go, continues. Then the green starts, starts spreading and then they all head back to center and he looks back. There's this like big rift in space. And then he steps out like, Oh, past the, the, the where the thing was at the, the launcher or whatever and he's kind of going through these like invisible steps like towards the big rift the strands like are flowing towards him and like disappear Sylvie's like he's giving us a chance then everything goes black and then you see strands they start glowing green Loki continues grabbing lighting them up strands are flowing behind him he's like he reaches the top and then it's like he's outside of he who remains palace because he's kind of see like the what's left of the window he sits in this throne that kind of formed there and he's like still holding like several strands he brings like his hands together and the green light just kind of flows out and then it, it kind of shifts a little bit and it's like he made the, the tree of life or whatever and then 
everything goes black. And then on the screen, it says after. You see a TVA poster. Uh, there's like a like a, a tree, and there's like a one dude raking this other lady's like watering it. You know, has a water thing, spigot can, and it, like on the bottom is like let's grow together. B fifteen walks up to OB and Casey, and then Miss Minutes appears and introduces herself. And B 15s like, are, are we sure she won't? And Obi's like, try to kill us all. And he he just like shrugs, he's like I don't know. Then she asks if they're heading up to the war room, and and she's like, can you let them know I'll be up in a moment? So she sees Mobius sitting in like in a cubicle and she's like, are you okay? And he's like, he says he just got those reports on the, the variants of he who remains. And she's like, do any of them know that we exist yet? He's like, nope. He's like, I guess one of them caused a little uh, bit of a ruckus on 616 adjacent realm. So it's probably uh, from Ant-Man, Quantumania, right? He's like, but they handled it. So we're, we're good for now. And she's like, that's all we can ask for. She's like, are you headed up? And Moby's like, yeah, I'll meet you up there. On his desk, there's a file with the post. It's like, your file as requested. And, and then he's like, picks it up, but we don't see if he opens it or not. So to end the hall by like the big Kang mural, B-15's there. And she says that Casey said that they're going to get them taken down. And Mobius, he's like, although it is a good reminder. He's like, those who do not remember the past are, you know. And she's like, so when we get in there, and he's like, yeah, funny you should mention that because... And she's like, you're leaving. And Moby's like, I mean, well, you think the TVA is going to miss a tired, washed-up old analyst with a heart of gold? She's like, I think there's one or two who will. He's like, I I am. I've I got to see what exactly it is we've been protecting all this time. And B-15's like, well, if you ever want a seat in there, it's yours. And he's like, they need you in there. And she's like, are you scared? He's like, oh, yeah. She goes into war room. It's pretty full. There's a lot of people. We see like the old general there and everyone. And then Obi opens a box of manuals, opens it, you know, opens one of the books. Then we see young Victor. He's, you know, doing his science experiment thing. He looks at the window, but I think, does he not get the manual this time maybe? So maybe Renslayer doesn't do that. So they change that. Then we see Renslayer wakes up in this field and there's like, like a pyramid in the background you know, a little bit away and uh, some grass gets like kind of blown and there's like the TVA emblem that Mobius just like walked over like in the hallway and then there's like some purple light up in the sky and there's like wind and thunder so I'm not really sure what that was about and then we see Don's house you know the jet ski seller Don you know Mobius is whatever and you know he's out there dealing with his kids and Mobius is like actually standing across the street watching and then Sylvie walks up to him and she's like, oh, the yard looks like it could use a bit of work. He's like, no, it's great. It's the best house on the block. He's like, you know, never look, never know. And then she's like, it's weird that Loki's not here, isn't it? He's like, yeah. And she's like, well, see you around, I guess. And he's like, where are you going to go? And she shrugs. And she's like, you? He's like, I just, I might just stay here for a little bit. Let time pass. She puts her hand on his shoulder and then she leaves through a time door. And then we see a bunch of green, green strands and we see Loki in the middle with his crown sitting on a throne and that's the end. So basically, I guess he took he who remains place. So he's stuck there overseeing everything. So that's kind of like the end for him, which is <laughs> kind of, kind of stinks, but I guess that's his, his glorious purpose is, uh, you know, he, he got his throne. He's his God now. And, um, I, and I guess technically in the, the sacred timeline, he did die, you know, against Thanos. 
And, and that's the other thing. It's like no one's ever going to know what he did for everyone. So uh, it was interesting. I mean, it was good. And it's, it's, it's good, but sad, but happy, I guess. So like, uh, yeah, very weird. So w will there be a second one? Or, I mean, a third season? I guess not. Because, I mean, unless they, they totally change it, there's really nothing, you know, you, you can't, he's, he's stuck there. So that, that's unfortunate, but it was good. So I really enjoyed it. I, I think I liked the season more than the first season. It just, uh, yeah. So I, that, that was good stuff. I, I, I'm, I'm just really bummed. And what's, what does this mean for Kang now? So that, that's the interesting also is, you know, his variants are out there. So, you know, we don't know what's happening with Jonathan Major and all that, but they could, you know, King, we could still do the King stuff and the King, the, the war could still happen. And maybe, maybe at some point Loki would come back if, if they do continue with the King stuff. But if they do, you know, rewrite it, then it wouldn't make sense. But if, if you're not going to use Jonathan Major, just recast. But hopefully, hopefully everything works out for the best. Okay, and now continuing with that, um, I was a little worried. So new movie featured, The Marvels. Um, I was a little concerned because I, I thought I heard something that there was something but with the ending of Loki and affecting uh, the Marvels. And there's something with, with delays. I, I don't remember if the movie was delayed or this or whatever. But that was fine. And I was like, okay, so I'm seeing the movie Thursday night you know, the, pre the preview night and, you know, Loki airs Thursday nights and I'm not going to be able to watch Loki before I see the movie because, you know, Loki doesn't come out until 6 p.m. And I'm like, and, and there's going to be spoilers. Is something not going to make sense? But no, it doesn't. There's, so there, there's no Loki connection. So you don't have to worry about that. And uh, with with the movie, you know, there's, I, I feel like there's not controversy or whatever, but it, it feels like a lot of people are hoping the movie fails. And, you know, we've talked before, you know, there, there's a bunch of people who don't like Brie Larson. There's a bunch of people who aren't going to like this because it's all women, you know, are the leads. And it, it just it just seems ridiculous. And the, the reality of it is, you know, Captain Marvel is like the most powerful person in the Marvel Universe, happens to be a woman. You just have to accept that. Now, I've heard, uh, <laughs> you know, a buddy of mine said that he, he doesn't like hate Brie Larson or anything like that, but he says that she's she's kind of stiff and i think that that kind of fits with the character because you know one of the things what what i find interesting is when she got her powers and everything you know captain marvel took place in the 90s so you know we're, we're talking like 30 years difference you know she's been captain marvel for 30 years 30 plus years or whatever and i think this is kind of like something that was addressed maybe more in, in a Marvel comic, both with Thor, where he talks about, you know, his timeline, you know, his, the way he perceives time, that his time with humans is, is just like, like a blip because, you know, he's lived for thousands of years and will live for thousands of years. And just, you know, even if it's like 50 years or 20 years or whatever, uh, you know, with humans, that's going to be like, like nothing if you put it in the context of the whole time. So I think with uh, Captain Marvel, you know, the fact that, since she has a longer time period, I think that's going to kind of um, remove her a little bit. And one of the things that we also find out in in this movie that she's carrying a lot of weight. And you know, because one of the things 
that is dealt with is how come she never went and talked to to Monica? You know, at the end of Captain Marvel, she's like, I'll be back before you know it. And then there's never any connection. And yeah, you know, she's out in space and, you know, she's, you know, doing this or that and, and you know, maybe helping with the scrolls and, and everything. But we find out that there's actually more that, that went on. And but with all of that, it's like well, there's never any any downtime. It's like she couldn't just come back to Earth to, to check on Monica and say, "Hey, how's it going?" And um, but then we also find out it's like she did come back because you know she did talk with uh, when when Monica was blipped. You know, spoilers. You know, Carol did come back was like talking with her mom when her mom was dealing with the cancer and or whatever. So I, I think some people are just not fair. I don't know. I, I, I don't think she was overly stuff. And, and there were some, some moments where, you know, she, she was a little emotional with, with, with that. And I, I think, I don't know, I, I think she was, she was fine in that, that role. Uh, with Monica, you know, I've never been overly um, invested in the character. When I first started reading Avengers, you know, Monica was Captain Marvel. You know, she, she was actually, I think she was a chairperson of Avengers at the time. Um, I, for, I forget like the issue number it was, but I remember picking up like the first, my first Avengers was at a, like a, oh, I think it was Walden Books. It was a, a bookstore in, in the mall where they had like kind of like a spinner rack. It was like a plastic spinner rack, not like the classic kind. But I remember it wasn't even like the most interesting cover, but I, I think Wasp was, you know, Captain America, Wasp, Star Fox, I think Black Knight. Um, I'm trying to remember, maybe Hercules. I, I don't know. So not like my most exciting favorite roster but I, I remember you know that's where i first started reading it. and then you know she, of course she was in secret wars which you know i absolutely love that that series so you know i i've been familiar with monica since i really consistently you know started reading comics but i think there's just after that you know after she left the avengers there she was not really around so much you know she would pop up every now and then you know change her name and, and this and that but i wasn't overly invested in, in the character uh, you know, we, we do get to see her in WandaVision, and I, I think that it was cool to see her there. You know, there, there's some, some cool elements with that, because then we do see when she was blipped and finding out about her mom and everything like that, we do see her, her get her powers. And I just love the fact that now that she's got these powers, that, you know, when it comes up, she's, she's like, yeah, you know, she mentions a witch did a, a hex or whatever, and, you know, she got these powers. So it's, it's great that they acknowledge without directly saying about the events of WandaVision that, you know, that's how she got her powers. So I, I think that, that that's great that they, they mentioned that and acknowledge that. And seeing her here, you know, you, we do get to see more of her, like her personality or anything like that. So, you know, you do get to care about more her as a character. And, you know, it does make you want to see more of her. But obviously the, the main draw of this movie, oh, and, you know, we, we get Nick Fury. Uh, you know, so it, it's cool to see him. It's it's a little weird because you know this is coming after Secret Invasion. You know, so he's back in, in the, the the space station thing. Um, there's no real reference to that. Any of that, we don't see. Um, what was her name from Secret Invasion? Uh, Talos's daughter. Because uh, I want to. I don't know what's going to happen with her. Because talk about being overpowered. So it'd be interesting if we see her again. But. The, the shining, the, the main, you know, the, the bright star of this is Ms. Marvel, is, you know, uh, Iman Vellani. I mean, she is so adorable, so enthusiastic. It's just, there's just something about her. And that's what was great about Ms. Marvel, about the, the, the show. 
and you know we see her she's so just so excited about Captain Marvel you know we see you know it kind of backs up a little bit from where Ms. Marvel ended where we see like her her fan fiction her stories and you know she's writing adventures of you know Ms. Marvel and Captain Marvel and just the way you know and she's like oh it's a cool name and like twinsies and you know just like little little gestures and stuff like that so when she eventually comes up or when she one day as you see in a preview where they start like switching places and everything and then when she finds out that Captain Marvel was in her house and she missed it she's like really bummed and, and all that so, but when they finally do meet up, you know, just seeing how she's so excited and nervous and awkward and, and like a little too intense and it's just, she's just so amazing in this. And, and, you know, she's just really, she, there's something about her. I mean, she's just, it's like, it's just infectious, you know, just how excited she gets and seeing her. And, you know, on top of that, you know, we, we see she, she does, she, she holds her own, you know, so here's this, this character who's just had their powers for a little bit, but she does, you know, a great job with, with, with everything and, and just the, the fight scenes with her, with all of them and how they, they go kind of in unison working together. And then there's the fact that when they use their powers, they switch. That wasn't, that, that was one little thing that bugged me is that the whole thing is when they use their powers that cause them to switch places. But then it's like, but there's times where they're actually using their powers and not switching, but then they switch. So it's like, I'm not really sure what intensity, what amount, because you know, there's Kamala's like making some of the like the light platform things running on them, and she's doing stuff, and then she disappears. You know, then she switches places. So it's it wasn't. I don't know how much whatever, but that doesn't matter. We we have this like thing going on. There's this enemy going around. It's causing some major problems, and and of course, you know, that's that's the big for me. That's a big downfall of the movie is is the villain where the villain is causing some major havoc on, on other planets and stuff like that. And, you know, the, the motive, it's, it's always questionable with, with the villains. You know, they always have these um, biased or delusional ideas and, you know, with, with what they're doing and why, you know, what their motives are. And to, to some degree, you know, you, you can't really fault what she's trying to do. The, 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 what's her name? Uh, you know, she's trying to, I, I don't think it's a big secret or whatever, maybe it is, but, you know, she, so Hala was, uh, I, yeah, see, I, I, I don't want to spoil too much because I'm not really sure what's out, what's out there, but something happened to Hala, let's just say that, and Captain Marvel was involved, and that's part of, like, that guilt that I mentioned that, that she's carrying around, and so, you know, the, the villain is trying to she has good intentions but just in a really major kind almost like evil way in a selfish way where it's just very you know blinders on you know this is what i this is all i care about any anything else collateral damage who cares about that so it's a uh, interesting to, to, to see that uh there were mentions of scrolls and uh that felt a little off i mean i guess there's so many different these aren't the same scrolls that we saw in Secret Invasion. You know, so it's just a different group of scrolls on they're like living elsewhere. You know, but there's there's stuff with them. And I, you know, I didn't mention that. I feel like I'm just jumping all over the place. But you know, we we have uh, Goose uh, the Flurkin. Uh, thank goodness they must have a, a long life because you know, again, it's been 30 years. So Goose is still around. And if you saw the 
I, I love the reaction when Ms. Marvel first sees Goose and the, the the tentacles and all that stuff. I mean, that that just cracks me up. Her her reaction, her delivery of of that scene, and later we see uh, several other Flurkins, and and we see kitten Flurkins, and you know, I I'm, I'm I love cats. I think they're so adorable. You know, I love dogs too, but seeing all these different cats around, and they're so darn cute. But then they all have like the tentacle mouth thing and everything. Uh, so it, it was just, I, I enjoyed the movie. Now the runtime, uh, again, I'm going all over the place. I almost felt like it was too short. I, I do, I, I, it does feel like some things happened a little too quickly. But I can also see the point where, you know, so many times people complain. It's like, oh, this could have been 20 minutes. It's, it's like weird. If, if movies are like two and a half hours long, people will complain. If it's under, you know, two hours, people complain. So it's like, I don't know what people want. If people just complain about everything. I, for me, I want everything to be as long as possible. Unless it's something like Killers at a Flower Moon, where it's just, it's, it's a little too slow. Where I, that, Then I feel like they could speed things up. But normally in the other like Marvel movies or action movies, I, I've never felt like it's dragged on. I always felt like that there's been enough going on. And, you know, I do want some slower moments with the characters. You know, I want to see them talking and, and, you know, having some downtime. I don't just want action, action. You know, there is a lot of action here. But I feel like how things progress, it almost progress a little too quickly. But that's fine. You know, it, it, it it's not like awkward or, or doesn't make sense. You know, it's not confusing, but it, it just feels like some things could have been slowed down a little bit more. Cause it's like all of a sudden, boom, Kamala's like with, with uh, Monica and, and Captain Marvel, but that's fine. You know, it, it does move things forward and it makes it a tighter story. So I don't think that there's any reason to complain about that. And, you know, maybe it was the right choice to, you know, just to really make it, make it go and not just like slow down. Cause there are, there's a couple moments where, things you know slow down it's not just non-stop action so i i, I think all, all, all that was fine other things i'm trying to think oh there's a the, just kind of a musical number not even really a musical number and I, I i saw people complaining about that it's like oh my gosh it's like really and then you must have absolutely hated the doom patrol episode that i talked about this week but I, the the whole idea of this musical number and it wasn't like overly cheesy or whatever but it you know it, it fits in you know I, I love it the fact that you know marvel is owned by disney and you know so many the disney movies have music numbers i always question those movies you know even like like little mermaid or you know beauty and the beast is like why is everyone like singing in the middle it's like is this are they really singing is it just for our benefit you know what's going on because obviously you don't have all the music going on but with the the musical thing here what it is is they're on a planet where that's like their language. And if you're talking, you know, infinite planets, different things, why wouldn't there be a planet where people communicate through songs? I, I don't see how that's absurd or annoying or whatever. And, you know, it, it was just a couple minutes at that. So I really don't understand the, the the complaints there, and I think it's just people complaining, you know, like oh they're they're too cool for a musical, and uh, there's nothing wrong with a musical, and it was weird, and it was something different, you know. So many times people are like like oh everything's the same, it's the same movie, they do the same thing, same scene, same action. It's like, it's like no, it's not the same thing over again. It's like what other Marvel movie has there been a musical number in there? Uh, none. So this is something different. We had this this kind of sort of musical scene, which is totally different, but it fits in and it didn't look out of place. It made sense with however weird it was. So I, don't know, I just feel like people are going to complain 
regardless no matter what if there was no musical number they would complain about something else and it's just it's it's silly i i thought everything was fine everything was cool uh you know i i love the fights that the three on one or whatever and, and switching you know the crazy camera angles following around the different characters and and then the throw in the fact that they're like switching places in the middle of the fight and it just added a different element to it so i i just i really enjoyed all that there are some cameos in the movie um which i i won't spoil any of that one happens like towards the beginning of the movie and i was just like whoa you know i wasn't expecting that it was just a a small cameo but it was it was cool and it it's great to acknowledge just this bigger world and universe that we have you know with with the marvel characters so i i thought that that was was really cool um and then the the interesting thing and uh you know i'm I'm not going to mention the specifics but the final scene felt like it was an end credit scene or mid credit scene and i don't know which would be better you know so there is a mid credit scene there's no end credit scene so i feel like what the last final scene of the movie should have been either mid credit or end credit and i know there's kind of a formula like which one so the end scene was obviously more con- i mean they're both connected to the characters and, and all that but one kind of they and they both kind of set up different things like possibilities of you know where things could go next, but it was just weird that they decided to put the the last scene as a last scene and not as a mid credit or end credit because they could have just bumped the two, but maybe part maybe because so many people are still are getting up it's like you go okay how many Marvel movies have we had the whole thing is that there there's stuff at the end. And there is a literal app called After Credits that you can look in there, and it will tell you: Is there a mid credit? Yes or no. Is there a finals, you know, credit scene? Yes or no. So you could, you know, if you if you don't want to just sit around and wait for nothing, you should, you know, you should be watching the credits anyways. You know, looking at all the people who worked hard. But the, I will say that the final credit scene, I was so excited, and when you you get a hint. You know, someone's about to enter this, walk through this door, and there's like a like a shadow reflecting against a window, and you kind of see something that they have that's like a pretty get big hint of who it was. But I almost thought it was someone else who uses that same thing. And if you if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about, or if you've seen spoilers. But then when we the door opens and you see who it is, I was just like, holy crap, because I didn't even know. And I absolutely love this character. I love the way they were portrayed. So yes, it's someone who has appeared in something else, you know, coming back. And I, I absolutely hope that this means we get more of this character because I would 1000% love that. And I've been hoping for that. So that fills us with some hope of like, okay, let's definitely do something from this, from, from this scene. The mid credit scene I was literally as, as I'm watching this and you know, you, you see like what's going on. It's like, Whoa, wait, what's happening here? This does, this is so weird when you see like one character there and then you hear the voice of another character. And I'm just like, WTF. I mean, I, I literally, I literally whispered that out loud. You know, I didn't say it too loud because there's a, a kid like a couple seats away and next to me. Um, and, but I was just like, it was like the last thing I expected and um even though with like a certain other movie coming up where there's like possibilities of you know this could be happening but to see it like in a regular you know movie it was just not expected and 
what exactly this means, I, I really don't know. I don't think it necessarily means what it might mean, but I, I think it's it's like a, it's, I don't even know how, how, how this will affect the future of that particular franchise. Um, but it was, it was crazy. And, you know, so my question is like, where and when is, is that going to be addressed? Because that was just insane. That, that was just bananas. It was bonkers. It was, it was nuts. You make a banana split out of it. Cause it was just so, so crazy. So I enjoyed the movie. Uh, I, I just, I, I had a smile on my face like most of the time. And, you know, there, there are some parts I thought were a little emotional cause you know, my emotions are just like, so uh, like f- fragile now, just recently, lately, which we won't get into that. Uh, that's could be another po- that would be a podcast that no one wants to listen to. And uh, so I just I thought it was, I just really enjoyed it. And um, I'm trying to think like Marvel movies we've had recently. I mean, I, I really enjoyed this more than some of the other. You know, I, I really like Guardians of the Galaxy, but I I think I enjoyed this more. And a large part was because of Kamala of Ms. Marvel. And, you know, Ant-Man and Wasp, I enjoyed that. Um, I do f- f- want to watch that again. And uh, But I just, I really enjoyed this. So it's it's unfortunate that so many people are, are just so angry, whatever. And I just feel like with these movies, you know, when, when you're trying to, you know, I'm going to give this movie a rating or this or that, that it, it's, it doesn't really make sense to rate it with other things because you know these these are different type of uh, movies and you know it doesn't make sense to compare a marvel movie to killers at a flower moon you know because different genres and you know you shouldn't be using the same scale or even if if you know you want to compare this to like the creator which was like you know sci-fi i just feel like they're just different type different entities different things and it doesn't just really make sense so uh, a lot of people were overjoyed when the movie first it was early reviews it was rotten because it was like 50 something percent but right now currently as i record this is at a 62 percent which um isn't horrible i don't think and but the the other thing so the critics so this is based off of 268 instead of 62 percent the audience score and this is over a thousand verified Ratings, so it's, so it's not people just trying to review bomb. I, I don't know how they verify it or whatever, but it's at eighty six percent. So eighty six percent of the audience, the audience gave it eighty six percent. So I think, I think that's that's uh, that that's pr- pretty big. That's that's important. Um, let's see the budget. Uh, it's weird. Okay, they give it. They give the gross budget as two hundred seventy four point eight million. The net budget is 219.8 million so that's that that's weird and let's see i'm not sure what the box office is going to be because it might be too early in the weekend um estimates were lower it made 21.3 million on its first day and they're saying the estimates are between it looks like it's gonna be like maybe 50 million I don't know. We'll have to see what the actual box. Maybe I'll, I'll remember it. And, you know, I can talk about it next week. But I do think also, I was saying this to, to a friend, I do feel like the actors not promoting the movies, I, I do think that makes a difference. And 
you know, I, I, Thursday, I was, you know, saw some of my students after school. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go see the Marvels. And they're like, what? So it's like, even though my students, you know, a lot of them are into the Marvel stuff. Some of them actually read comics. And, you know, I have all the Marvel stuff in my room. And, you know, they're, they're aware of the characters and all that. But a lot of my students, I don't think they even knew the movie was coming out. And I, to me, that's crazy. Because, you know, every, like, almost like every single week when I go to see a movie, I'm seeing a trailer for for this. But they you know, probably don't, they don't go that often. And I, I do think a lot of people get... You know, they, they see stuff uh, if they're following the actors on, you know, Instagram or whatever or TikTok. You know, so I feel like there's a, a lot of the actors are doing the promoting stuff. And, and I do feel that there's a, a big audience from the, the late night talk shows. I don't watch talk shows. I don't, I don't watch the late night talk shows. But I'm sure, you know, there's a huge portion of America, you know, middle America or whoever that watch these, you know, see these actors that they've seen in other movies and see the clips that they show. And, you know, maybe they'll catch up a, a pre- preview, you know, during a commercial break. So I feel like with the actor strike that I think that the has affected how, how it did. And I do think, you know, like, um, was Shazam during actor? I don't think that was, uh, but like, you know, blue beetle was Shazam this year. I think it was, I don't know, but I, I feel like that these movies could have done better if there is, there's more promotion involved. And, and even you look at like the Marsh King's daughter, there was like zero promotion from that. Like no one talked about that. And w- what I find interesting, and I, I think I forgot to mention this last week, but when I tweeted my little like quick review on the Marsh King's daughter, I had like I had I had a lot of like retweets and and likes for 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 me. I don't use my Twitter that often anymore because the place has has gone down obviously lately. But there was a, a lot of people that were like Daisy Ridley fans, and it was like a lot of like Star Wars esque accounts. And uh, that I thought that was weird. So uh, there, are, there, there is an audience there, but I feel like a lot of people just weren't aware, like Marsh King's Daughter. And when I mentioned people, they're like, what's that? And so I feel like even though this is a Marvel movie, I, I feel like there could be people not aware that it's happening. I, I, I could be wrong. I, I don't know. So it's just it's too bad that like you know the actors missed the red carpet premiere because the you know the strike wasn't settled yet. But you know it they were able to do some quick like theater appearances you know thursday night or friday night because the strike just finally ended i enjoyed it i think you can see it i'm definitely going to watch it again so that's my opinion and i just think people need to just relax a bit and just this is a marvel movie this is a superhero movie and you don't need to be so uptight and just i just feel like people are looking for things to complain about rather than just sit back and enjoy a movie and and that's why I'm glad that I'm not like a regular critic because I don't want to analyze the 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 flow of the dialogue and the scenes and how the lighting is here compared to this and that. It's just it's like no, did I enjoy it? Did I have fun? Yeah. Did I have a smile on my face? Yeah. So that's the marvels, and I just think I'm seeing comments from people like not even watching it or anything like that. They're like, Oh, I hate to hate that movie. I hate the characters. I hate the actors or, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it's sad. It's unfortunate. And I hope that those people have something that they actually enjoy in life. And, you know, rather than just be angry and miserable all the time in their parents' basement. <laughs> so that's going to be it for this week. I enjoyed the marbles. Um, and I also enjoy 
<laughs> Dave McFarlane and Andrew Loken because they are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Uh, last week, I talked about Batman, Catwoman, the Gotham War, the big Batman event that was... I think kind of ridiculous in some way. There's some some controversial moves and ideas that happened, and uh, we'll have to see how, how those play out. So you can hear my thoughts on that and just kind of like a full breakdown, spoilers and, and everything about that. Uh, my, my thoughts like on some of the decisions made were just, you can't do that, Batman. Um, but this week, I might go back to X-Men to Hidden Years because we kind of left on a cliffhanger, you know, with the, with the middle of like what's happening. So we'll see. Uh, but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That's ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. What is going to happen next week? Next week is Hunger Games. Uh, the songs, I forget what the subtitle is. So we have that. As far as other things, uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, maybe this will be good for me. So uh, we're, we're going to have another Doom Patrol. Because I think I said there's three more. We've got Invincible. We've got Rick and Morty. And, oh, wait. Um, didn't Scott, no, Scott Pilgrim's starting up? Isn't that the 17th? I don't know if I'm going to talk about that next week. And then there was the killer that came out uh, this last weekend. I'm not sure if I'll get a chance to watch that and talk about that. Maybe. We'll see. There's a, a lot, potentially, that we could talk about. So we'll see about that. But... I hope you are doing well. Um, the following week, I don't know what I'm going to see. Maybe Napoleon. Um, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're taking care of yourself. I hope you are um, enjoying life and not being uh, miserable and bitter about every little thing. But I hope, more importantly, you remember to be good to each other. <laughs> <laughs>